everyone and welcome back to W Rated, the podcast where we watch the world's worst movies. Um, I am your host, Daisy, and I'm joined, as always, by co-host and co-creator, Claire. Claire, how are you doing on this lovely, at time of recording, Easter weekend? Uh, I'm all right. It's quite a quiet one so far, but maybe that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we all need a bit of a break sometimes. It's nice and it's chill. As as I've told you, I've been super productive plowing straight into my weekend and it just means that I'm able to just, if I get it all done on the Thursday night, I think I might keep a routine to do it every weekend on the Friday night so I don't have the rest of the re- weekend to relax and watch bad films and talk about them with you. <laughs> Yay! Um, what a film we are talking about today with no guest. Aye, aye, aye. But I feel like maybe we didn't need a guest for this one because I'm ashamed of my... I would, I'd be, um, I'd be interested. I'm sure we'll find out when we release this episode or even when we tease it, but to see who would actually want to talk about this mm-hmm. film. I have a funny feeling that maybe we wouldn't have anyone like at least in our social circle that mm-hmm. maybe wanted to um i've seen it before because it came out last year it is a 2020 film straight in at the bottom 100 <laughs> which i think is quite a feat <laughs> but i'm sure we'll understand why once we get into it um if you haven't guessed already um the film that we're talking about today is 365 days the polish erotic dra- uh, romantic drama film uh, romantic is a push um, <laughs> Directed by Barbara Bialois and Thomas Mendes, and it's based on the first novel of a whole trilogy. Claire, did you know this was a trilogy? I did. I, I did. You I'm did. excited to talk about them. <laughs> uh, written by Blanka Lipinska, um, and the plot follows um, a woman from Warsaw. She's in a relationship that's really unfulfilling. Um, she comes across a uh, a very dominant Sicilian gangster mob man um who actually when i say comes across i mean she's kidnapped by (laughs) just to be super super clear um he imprisons her because he um has dreamt of her face or seen her face somewhere and it's haunted his dreams etc etc and basically um gives her 365 days to fall in love with him is the is the overarching plot of this film. Um, it stars Michelle Morone as Don Massimo and Anna Maria uh, Siep, is it Sieplica? I'm so terrible with pronouncing names as Laura. It's got Lara. a three point two on IMDb. Laura. Um, it's Baby got a three point two on IMDb. We will get there. <laughs> and, uh, and it's ranking number forty one on the bottom one hundred. Um, Claire, did you have any sort of like? Obviously, I have a bit of a uh, have a bit of a thing with the way I watch films. I give myself like little challenges, or I'm doing certain things because otherwise I get like a- anxiety paralysis about what to watch. So at the time, I was every Friday night during lockdown or, or the pandemic was watching like the top film on IMDb at the time, which was quite a nice little like routine to have um, until I came across this film. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'd seen it before last year, but had you heard about it, had a chance to review it or know anything about it at all for now? No. Um, so I watched it last week ahead of our Razzies special episode, which mm. you would have heard a couple of weeks ago, lovely listeners. Um, um, and I got, I think you might have got the impression from that, but I'm a bit surprised by my reaction to it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have watched this film without it. I'd seen mm. it come up. I very quickly uh, dismissed it 
somewhat rightfully so, somewhat wrongfully so, as uh, foreign Fifty Shades of Grey. And I've never mm-hmm. had any interest in watching or reading Fifty Shades of Grey. So I just assumed, like, eh, not for me. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like we need to give, we normally give a spoiler warning, but I do feel like straight up the top, we do need to give a graphic content warning. Oh my God, yeah, this is explicit <laughs> with a capital E. There's no um, way to talk I might about tell this. My, my parents have been really supportive and listened to some of the episodes, but I'm going to tell them to strictly avoid this one. I think just, you know, for my own comfort, not knowing that... Uh, they shan't be listening into this one. Um, my mum said the other day, oh, maybe I should start listening to some of them, so I might have to tell her to, like, maybe... Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Just give it a few Don't weeks. listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally am a bit, like... I get I get really, like, uncomfortable with sex scenes in films anyway, and I'm trying really hard not to be, but it's just, like how I am as a person (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable with intimacy just like hugging and stuff like I'm such an awkward person like as you can imagine that's like quite difficult for me to sit through you've never had a seven hour sex session on top of a yacht in front of like someone was driving that yacht looking at them oh yeah I bet like (laughs) I'm sure, like, with all of the sex scenes and stuff, like, there would have been all of his, like, mob and his family hanging around, like, (laughs) they clearly had sex all over that massive house. Uh, (laughs) And then there's just the guys outside guarding the door. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In case you haven't guessed already, there is a lot of sex scenes in this. Um, Clay, you mentioned that about Fifty Shades of Grey, obviously a lot of the reception to... This and and also like sort of the um, the anticipation of this film is that it is very Fifty Shades of Grey. A lot of the people, including the the lead actor and actress, were very much like this is so much more hardcore. This is lo- a lot more passionate. And I think from um, Marone's perspective as an Italian, he said, you know, I, I'm not phased by this sort of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Italian cinema is very deeply passionate and you know intimate. And I think. Uh, this specifically is a Polish made film and he said that they maybe aren't as such, but even so I probably imagine that maybe they're a little bit more open to that than perhaps typical American and British cinema is. Yeah. And it's interesting you saying that you're not comfortable with sex scenes in movies. Like we've been, I try, I really do, but it's just, they cringe me out. (laughs) We've been on lockdown for like just over a year now on and off, but basically lockdown. I I have a strict rule follower. I spend most days in my house. Um, I've watched a minimum of a film a day over the last mm. yeah, of, over the last three hundred and sixty five days. Um, hey, hey. Um, whereas before, I think I would probably have watched like a couple of films a week. Like I've always been a film fan, but previously I would go to the cinema at least once, twice a week, and at home I'd watch TV because TV hasn't been coming out as steadily because of the pandemic. I've been watching a lot more films and filling in my time with films a lot more, and I've been finding even before watching this, I've just noticed so much more sex scenes all the time in almost every film I watch there's so many more sex scenes and these new releases well so some of them are new and some of them are old and some of them are American some of them are European and so I've been trying to pinpoint is it there is just more sex in films is it Mm -hmm. that I'm just widening my viewing experience and watching different genres different styles I'm watching a lot more independent rather than blockbuster 
is it that mm-hmm. I'm dabbling more in foreign film because definitely in the last two years I've really been trying to push myself to watch more foreign film or is it just that I've spent so much time alone that the sex scenes just suddenly <laughs> seem like, wow, so much bigger? Those two people are touching each other. What a novel experience. I think it's a combination of all of those things, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. And I think that's why it's so important for us to, especially people who are sort of like self-proclaimed cinema fans, not in a gatekeeping way, but in a, I kind of want to say like, if you're thinking about it or haven't just, or haven't even thought about branching out into other, other language films, please do, because there's mm-hmm. just so much out there. We, we saw it at Parasite last year. Mm-hmm. Um, people who had never even considered watching a Korean film before were like, Wow, uh, me included, and hands mm-hmm. up, I've only watched one other Korean film since then. I really mm-hmm. need to uh, get more into it. I've turned around and gone, wow, what are we missing out on? Yeah. Like, there's so much going on, and you know, and it's it, it's challenging, like seeing things in a way that you're not used to. You're not, you know, um, they always um, there's a lot of conversations about the Marvel films being completely. Is it Marvel films being completely sexless? Like, there's literally mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. It it it's really like an interesting take in terms of there's. There's no adult to it. To it, they're yeah, like I... they're like you know, like Barbies. Mm-hmm. They're just all they're all smooth down there. There is literally no kind of sexual tension or chemistry so, at all, even in the relationships. Like, <laughs> so I was listening to um, the Ringer Podcast Network had did a binge mode season on all the Marvel films, and um, one of the girls, Mallory, who runs that podcast that season, was very very big on does Steve Rogers fuck. <laughs> And it was, a, <laughs> it was an ongoing but thing. Does he? Yeah, does, does it? he? Because like, there's the scene in Winter Soldier where she's like, where he kisses uh, Black Widow, Nat, and she's like, "Is that your first kiss in like sixty years?" Because being nice, and he was like, "It is not my first kiss in sixty years." And so we're like, "So who you been kissing? What you been doing? What you, yeah. what you up to?" Wait till. Uh, what would Peggy say? <laughs> well, and, uh, and the bigger thing now, now that we've currently got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is mm. does Bucky Barnes fuck? Because he should be. Because my word. What a waste, <laughs> if not. What a waste. And yeah, so don't know where we're going with that. But yes, there is a lot of um, <laughs> there's a lot of removal of sex from films, which I do think is good. Do not not good, but I do think where appropriate you don't need sex well, in every film. There's a place for it, isn't there? Like it's the same with violence, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> you know, these are themes that are they have they're they're, they're complicated, they're complex. Mm-hmm. And I will definitely go into that a lot more with this specific mm-hmm. film. And I'm, I was I was doing something at work the other day talking about um, how people smoking in films are mm-hmm. basically unpaid tobacco spokespeople. Yeah. And it's just very interesting to me. And I, I kind of do want to do a bit more reading on this about the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the kind of influence and, the res- in, in a way, the responsibility... Mm-hmm that films have on on the, on people's behaviour mm-hmm. that no other art form seems to, well, maybe music to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe to an equal extent, but it just seems like cinema is just like, well, you're literally watching someone. You're not just listening to them and you're not reading or looking. You are watching someone mm-hmm. do these things and how that influences people in terms of violence, in terms of sex, smoking even swearing you know mm-hmm. obviously with kids and stuff and how impressionable they are it's a very interesting big conversation to be had about that yeah and i think you can expand it slightly not just cinema but tv as well i think visual media <gasps> yes sorry Vis- yeah visual mm-hmm. media which i think is where then that music can come into it when you think about music videos and i think yeah. it's because yeah. 
it's funny like I get annoyed my uh, I did media studies at A level I did a film and television degree I went on to for a little bit to be a film and media teacher and I still remember like hearing my mum in a different room saying what a waste of time it was for me to do those degrees which Mm. you know each to their own yeah maybe (laughs) but at the same time we now look at like the crisis we have currently where we have all of this fake news shit and we have all of this detrimental stuff and we have social media and I'm there every day being like this is why people should have to study media studies I'm not saying everyone needs to get an A level in it I'm not saying everyone needs to get a degree in it but it should be a mandatory session because you try and go more than an hour of your day without in some way being impacted by some form of media but no one like there are regulators but there's not enough um i'm all for free media and free speech but i also there you know we're only now really looking into the research the art form is only 100 years old when you then think of things like plays Mm. and novels you know you've got hundreds and thousands of years so we know how they can affect we still don't really know the effect and as a media form visual media has like just doubles in size every year and mm, expands every year massively exponential isn't yeah it? so you know we can't control that but like going back before I go on a really weird tangent <laughs> um, <laughs> about like you know how much influence they have there's so much interesting on um views and we'll definitely get into it in this film two scenes in particular um view of female pleasure and female sexuality mm. and the lack of it on screens it is so Absolutely. rare that you see a woman having female pleasure on screen and I think that that's also going back to my initial point of like me seeing more sex on film. I think mm. I'm more acutely aware of it that when I do see a positive representation of sex, like a woman only achieving orgasm through oral sex or things like that, I'm so much more like, oh my God, a good example, hooray. And that like, there is a documentary which I've still not seen. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I want to say it's called like the O word or something. Um, and it's mm-hmm. all about the representation of female orgasm on screen. Oh, cool. Because I don't know if this is still the case, but for a while, if you showed a woman having an orgasm on screen, it got you an automatic 18. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. I've definitely read that before, yeah. which is crazy. So you've got PG and 12 films where guys can be like jacking off and simulating sex like you're not seeing the penis but we all know what's going on but it's played for laughs yes right it's 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 kind of like a a teen kid humor that that (laughs) that that's sort of wrapped in whereas you know female pleasure is seen as so much more explicit and sort of dirty and like yeah, because underground and like, whoa, you know, there's so much more of a taboo around it. The, you know? the big one was um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which is how I heard about that documentary, but I've still not seen it. Um, in that, at one point, Michael Cera's character goes down on Kat Denning's character, and she clearly has an orgasm. But the only way they could keep it in the film was to have the camera pan away, and they're in a recording booth, and you hear her orgasm through the recording booth <laughs> and that's the only way they're allowed it in and they had a lot of pressure to cut it from the film um, because female pleasure is not something to be seen on screen and so whilst I do not think this film does a good job of it there are a couple of instances where I did like that it was more explicit in a woman having ownership yeah. of her sexuality this film yeah. does a terrible job of that but it was a teeny <laughs> tiny tick in the right direction like you say unfortunately you know there is slim pickings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that automatically means that we're we're, you know we're choosing we've been able to 
see very few and not all of them are going to get it right. So we're looking at even less examples. And this, unfortunately, is one of them that does not get it right. But it's one of Um, the most easily accessible. It's on Netflix in almost every country in the world. So, you know. This is the problem, right? This is the issue, which we'll go into a little bit more about, like, sort of how it was perceived. But I guess let's have a chat first about what we thought about it Claire I, I, I kind of want to hear what you thought about it first because this is a brand new watch for you whereas mm-hmm. it was a re I'm ashamed to say it was a rewatch for me <laughs> can I just to put a disclaimer it was so difficult to watch one of these like of every film that we've watched so far for the podcast I've seen two of them before and they were years ago or when I was literally a child. This I watched last year. So I have to say it was the hardest to watch so far because I'd already been through it once. <laughs> and if this was hard to rewatch, my God, how difficult are the Human Centipede sequels going to be? And we mention this every time, but I am dreading it. We're going to have to wait until I'm having a really, really good time with life <laughs> just so that I can have a nice bubble of positivity protecting me from that disgustingness so i don't i don't want to get cancelled i like the film (laughs) i don't want to get cancelled that is the that's the pull quote for this episode claire because that's that's what's going to get the people listening i had a fun time at the fake cinema (laughs) tell me why We've just we've just discussed how this film is bad. Okay. So we need to let we me need find... to talk about why you still had a good time. So let me find <laughs> I wrote a couple of decent notes while I was watching it that I typed up this morning. And um, this is my second most written about film during my notes process. Uh, I know who killed me has four sides of A4 written about it. This had three. Um wow. Vampire Suck had zero. <laughs> yeah. It sucked. Um so I I had a fun time. I mean, my notes say, I was like, if you just watch it, turn your brain off and apply absolutely no cognitive thought whatsoever. It's really watchable because the leads, they're not great actors. I don't think they're very strong actors, but they do have chemistry. As a pairing, I felt like they really worked. Maybe it's just because they're both very, very attractive people, so I had no problem looking at either of them. But the whole thing just felt and looked like one giant perfume advert on music video. And so I just, I enjoyed letting it wash over me after a point. Like I had so many issues with so much of the context of the plot, which we will get Mm. into, and I think it's really important to discuss it. But as a visual form of something... I mean, maybe it's the quarantine thing as well. And I heard other people talking about this, like why was this film so popular? It kind of had this really cross section of what we're all lacking during Mm, quarantine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lockdown, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, in that we can't just go up and hook up with a really good looking guy on the beach. So, you know... (laughs) So many of us, like, I don't even live with anyone. I've not even shook a hand in a year. Like, I physically haven't been touched in the most minimal of yeah. ways, let alone, like, passionate, you know, all no-holds-barred sex. I'm not on got, a yacht. On a yacht. <laughs> I'm 
I'm not going anywhere. I haven't been able to leave, let alone bloody England. I've barely been able to leave Dartford for the last year. Oh, take Poor me, you. take <laughs> me to the Riviera, take me to the ocean. Like this gave me that. There was so much escapism. Yeah, so much escapism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, fantasy is like that fant- desire, fantasy, and escapism yeah. all in one. And I totally agree with you that I think you're right. That's exactly why this worked so well mm-hmm. in terms of audience numbers yeah yeah so you know if you just don't use your brain whatsoever and you just watch it and you look at some very pretty people in some very pretty places with some music that i enjoyed it did not go with the film whatsoever but i enjoyed the music (laughs) i had a fun time and it was it was just yeah I didn't hate it. Mm. And my other note was, um, have I been doing this podcast too long because I didn't hate it? <laughs> yeah. What are we? What number film are we on now? Seven. Yeah, that's all it uh, took, But we've guys. also watched also watched all of those ones for, Raz- for the Razzies yeah. as well. But um, yeah, it didn't, didn't take you long. And yeah. you say to me that you get I get influenced <laughs> uh, the other way. But I don't think you have been influenced wrong. I think... Because I agree. <laughs> I don't think this is what people thought was this podcast was going to be today. But when I watched it last year, I was, when I first started watching it, which will go into the plot, I was infuriated. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm watching this and this is acceptable. But then and you get then to a point, time, something happens. Time, some, something happens. <laughs> and then you're so invested. And then the, the, and the way it ends, I was like... Oh, oh, I care about this film. <laughs> Wait, you know when did that happen? I think I know what, what a ride. It, I know what it is. They knew who they were going for. We, as young millennial women, have been influenced by the cinema of the 90s and the 2000s. And do you know what all of those films had in them? Montages. Do you know how many bloody shopping montages this film had? <laughs> it knew, it, it, when I... <laughs> When I was watching the shopping montages, I was like, it's funny how Brax got slagged off for shopping montages when this has got about 15. And I just love it. I love it because even when she was a prisoner, the way she was strutted down that street knowing she was getting her shit paid for, I was like, yes, queen. The red, dre- the red dress. I was like, girl, you The red look. dress. But, but the red dress wasn't even like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, the peak dress of the film yeah. either it wasn't like what the, all the dresses were building up to <laughs> <laughs> it was like an early act two mm-hmm. dress and like if you're gonna look like that good early act two mm-hmm. and i think I mean, that's the point in the film we don't really we don't talk about the films very much before we record because we'd lose what we were trying to say but i did text you and i think mm. that was the point in which i texted you when i was watching it and i said say what you want to say about this film but it is very pretty <laughs> Yeah, well, just watching her walk exactly. around that was it Sicily like walking down those cobblestone and yeah, the I red so. dress mm. like, they are some good looking scenes like I would love to recut this film as something other than this film and I think we could make yeah. some money I mean I feel, I feel like, like the film's lookbook. already made quite a lot of money so they probably a could a book for beautiful people and beautiful locations yeah. yeah which is really what it is yeah true uh, with lots of problematic plot <laughs> Yeah. Should we dive into the plot? Should we dive into the problems yeah. here? Because obviously yeah. we've said top line kind of that, you know, on the surface, it's very easy to watch. Escapism, fantasy, it's a laugh. It is a bit it is a bit of a laugh of going, wow, this, you know, very explicit sex, but it looks beautiful. They look beautiful, their chemistry is off the charts. <laughs> but then 
it's all about the context. And unfortunately, I feel like me and you are the type of people that can't turn our brains off completely. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there is that little moral, it's the Jiminy Cricket at the back going, this isn't okay. <laughs> like, this isn't, no, no, honey, no, no. Um, and I think we'll say, uh, I'll say at what point when we've sort of gone through the plot that my mind changed about how much I liked about this film and it will make total sense given the problems of <laughs> the plot. I so, would like to give my the... personal plot synopsis of Go the on. entire film, my top line. Please do, please do, please do. Beauty and the Beast, but make it sexy. Yeah. That's you, Basically, you, yes. you know that was the idea. That, that's the film. That is the film. And so you're like, oh, Beauty and the Beast is cool. Yeah. And then you go, wait, no. Ooh, Beauty and the Beast is a bit. What if the library was shagging on a yacht? <laughs> <laughs> what if? What? This if? film answered that. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, man. I mean, I do like yachts. I do like sex. I do really like libraries. <laughs> <laughs> a library on a yacht no the book no no that's, that's too much weight for a yacht oh. i like my books to be dry oh how many books are you... it's a library well no i know but it's a library on a yacht so it's maybe it's like a it's more like a mini library with the mini bar then, then that's just a bookshelf <laughs> fine listen your yacht your problem <laughs> How did we? I'm looking. Are you lost, baby girl? I am. Oh, baby girl Daisy, tell us about the plot of this film. Baby girl. So, I mean, we basically covered it in the opening. <laughs> and also, like, I don't think I gave proper spoiler warning, but I mean, you guys know the deal. Like, spoilers <laughs> from here, explicit spoilers. Um, so, Laura. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say Laura because that's what, how I the say way it. He, said, he um, even says her name sexually. Laura. Laura. Um, she is a businesswoman. I believe she <laughs> works in the marketing PR department for a hotel, if I understood the business scenes properly, which I don't think the business scenes at the beginning of the film are there to be understood properly. The level of business in this film reminds me of the business, level... Business, business, business. Yes, the level of business <laughs> in the They were like, she's a businesswoman. Wear a suit and do business, business, business. 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 <laughs> 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 that's really tickled me. But that's exactly what it yeah, was like. Yeah. Is that, right, okay. Opening, opening scene. Uh, probably should say in the opening scene, actually, that unfortunately his dad <gasps> is assassinated. Sorry. Right, we need to go right back to the opening scene because I have unanswerable questions. So the opening oh, scene... Fine. Is well, him. we're really going to be. Do- I was going to do like quite a light, but we're going to have to go deep into it's just the plot a very, now. <laughs> it's just a very, big, a very basic one. The opening scene is him on the top of a castle with his dad, where they're refusing to get into child trafficking because we're going to learn that whilst he does some bad things like abducting a woman, he's not into child trafficking. So that makes him a good guy. He um, has a line. He has a line, right? And um, but the dad, he, while the while they're doing this business deal, he's like looking. He's on this island, and the only thing on this island is this castle. And then there's a girl playing on the beach, a woman on the beach by herself, having fun. And is it Laura? 
I don't think that they explain it. I, I don't. Is she even there? Is it a hallucination? Is it him? Is it him manifesting that he wants someone like her? And like, even when, um, so basically, the dad gets assassinated on top mm-hmm. of the roof, and the bullet like grazes him or something, mm. and he faints. And like in flashbacks to that moment, he sees Laura <laughs> over him smiling, and I'm like. But there's no explanation that they actually met or she was a real woman or whether she was he was a fig there's no explanation. No. All we know is she looks exactly like Laura. Mm-hmm. Like exactly mm-hmm. like her. Mm-hmm. So was he just imagining his dream woman and then she just happens to be at the airport and he's like, Oh my god, she looks exactly like her? Or did he actually think she was real and the same person? Again, unanswered question. They don't explain it. No. So sorry, yeah. So that happens at the start. Well, that well, well, no, that because that's helped. That's helped because that helps me explain why she gets kidnapped mm-hmm. in the first place. Um, but yeah, business, business, business. He's a mafia boss. She's a, a strong businesswoman, um, unsatisfied by her boyfriend, who she wants to sleep with when she comes home from work. But he's not interested, so she gets because out she her has a heart myriad. condition. She has a heart condition, Daisy. You're weak. You're weak. <laughs> you have a you have a weak heart. You shouldn't be experiencing pleasure. Get away. Us women, um, we can't take an orgasm. It will kill us. <laughs> she, my favourite thing is that when she opened the drawer and there was just like a myriad of vibrators. <laughs> it was like an advert for Anne Summers. Um, but yeah, so these two business, business, business people. <laughs> it's just so fun to say, I'm sorry. Like it's setting them up as being very strong, know what they want, but you know, maybe both troubled in some sort of way that, you know, she's unsatisfied and he's dealing with his dad's business and being really ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, he's threatening people and things like all of this. Lots of themes of paedophilia coming all the way through in the mm-hmm. opening. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that? There mm-hmm. was always like these hints and I was like, I really hope this is, you're going to leave that there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not going to go into that anymore. Um, <clears throat> and then um, basically the it's laura's birthday so they go to is it sicily Mm -hmm. they go to sicily i believe um he's in sicily uh massimo um and they run into each other um when she goes to the toilet being after being embarrassed by her boyfriend singing happy birthday where the most fantastic line (laughs) delivery and piece of dialogue i've ever heard in my life is spoken out loud are you lost baby girl Unanswerable question number two. Is yeah. that a real scene? Or is he a figment of her imagination? Is he a ghost? Is he a vampire? Because where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> and then he disappears. You know, when you were like, is he a ghost? That just reminded me of a friend's quote when it's like, things that are white. It's like, something, something. A ghost. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to go with here. And have you, did you notice as well that the, the, it moves very quickly? So I think that they've done that on purpose so people don't stop to analyse. <laughs> but like, I was like, right, so if I'm at a bar and I want to go to the bathroom, I would walk towards the bar and then go to the bathroom. She walks towards the lake into like a field, it almost looked like. And then there's a random yeah. man in the middle of the path. Are oh, you lost, baby girl? And then also he's then disappeared again. I'd be like, okay, um, what? Yeah, that was strange. I didn't really pick up on that on the rewatch because I was too busy laughing about the line and the fact that <laughs> what how did it even come how did it even happen 
when I said to you about watching Baby Driver the other day, and then I just texted you, <laughs> "Are you lost, Baby Driver?" <laughs> because I, was- I just get, <laughs> I just get thinking about that. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, just I don't want to talk for all women here because I'm definitely not all women, and there are two things in this film that are like all women on, but this is the first one. I don't think any woman finds Baby Girl as an attractive or sexy pet name. If you happen to be a woman who gets off on your partner calling you baby girl, I'm pleased for you. You do you. You, You've got a good one. (laughs) But just as like a a PSA to most men, don't think that's a real hot, hot one. Just, (laughs) I don't think that's a hot one. (laughs) Just don't really know why this film thought that would be attractive. I feel like, but I feel like from our perspective watching it, that's exactly what that kind of character would say. Yeah, and I just... Do you know what I mean? But, but the film almost makes it seem like it's also something that she is attracted to. to yeah, like responds to. Yeah. And I'm like, just FYI, mm. guys, he almost gets away with it because he is very attractive. <laughs> 99% of men, please don't say that. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you to do it. Um, so yes, and then I, I actually think that maybe he's there mm-hmm. at the bar stalking her because later on, or maybe the next day, I think it's the next day after it is her birthday and her boyfriend decides to go cl- climb Mount Etna without her mm-hmm. and he's just being a general douchebag. Could they have um, made him any douchier? Right? Like, just even just like the scene where they're at the bar for her birthday and they're in a very nice hotel and it's her birthday, so they're all dressed up, like, not over the top, but very nice. What you would wear. And he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing cargo shorts <laughs> and cargo a white shorts and a vest. <laughs> it was just perfect. Like, this is one of those instances in films where you're like, such a sm- such a simple decision is made over one small aspect of what's on screen, and it gives you so much from that. I mean, I do. I feel like it also lets you know that subtlety in this film doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I like things to literally just hit me in the face. Sometimes I want to be spoon fed, Claire. Um, this is the film for you. Uh, this is the film for you. Um, and what happens next? Oh, yeah. So I think she's... Well, this is the thing. I don't really know, Claire, because it moves so quickly. And then you're so, like, oh, okay, we're on to this next thing They've now. gone... She goes... They've, she's walking around at night is the next thing so I'm thinking of. She's at, she's relaxing at the pool and she doesn't know where her weirdo boyfriend has vanished off to. And then he arrives in the middle of the pool and he's like, I went and climbed Mount Etna. It was wonderful. Here, I took a pic. Oh, I bought you a fridge magnet. And she's furious because <laughs> they've gone to this place together. And like, I, I too would be fucking furious. Like, why? Oh my God, yeah. Why have you On gone? Birthday. This was her actual birthday yeah. as well. She was sleeping. So he was just like, oh, well, you were sleeping. I didn't want you to say so I went off and did that one thing that we said we were going to do together like a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah just went off to yeah. but you've got a and week here, he's a magnet just for the salt in your wings because you've got a weak <laughs> heart and so a climb up a mountain might kill you here's a magnet so she pushes him in the pool and storms off um but then it's suddenly night time and she's got and herself she's wearing something different she's got no no she's got a coverall on she got like a right, beach cover. Yeah. I did what I did. I did wonder. I was like, "That's not a dress," but I'm wondering why she's wearing it at night. And I think they're implying that she's just been wandering around Sicily. But they don't. There always seems to be like bits missing. Yeah, she's been like wandering around the town for like enough time for it to be basically midnight. And her best friend, who she went on this holiday with, didn't follow her. Why 
went on a fucking holiday for my birthday and my boyfriend pissed me off so much I had to push him in the pool and then I stormed off and my best friend who was also on the holiday with me did not storm off with me like <laughs> the fuck sorry uh, so FYI guys if I ever storm off you are meant to follow me I was gonna say people better be making notes right now um, but yeah so she's wandering around this village that looks terrifying and very empty well, yeah, I'm just like you just wouldn't hang around like how lost no one did she get you on your own before. yeah but she didn't look like she was lost at first she looked like she was just wanted to wander around mm. the wrong end of town do yeah. you know what i mean and then yeah and then the dog scares her and then eventually she gets kidnapped so yeah. because she is now a lost baby girl she is a lost baby girl <laughs> she's a confirmed lost baby girl <laughs> um and yeah essentially from there um the uh, Massimo explains who he is. Um, he's kidnapped her because he's been seeing her face in his dreams and like everywhere. And he's got like a big, massive portrait of her on the wall because this is the girl that he saw at that time. Shout out to that portrait maker that got that spot on, considering technically within film logic, he'd never seen this woman in his life. What a great well, portrait artist. Exactly. Oh, it's very convenient, isn't it? <laughs> um, and she's like, you're a sicko. Why have you got a picture of me up on your wall? I don't know you. You've kidnapped me. You're a dickhead. Um, and he's like, no, don't you get it? Like, you're the one, you're like my dream girl. You're the one for me. We're destined to be together. But without saying that, because that would imply, you know, actual exposition. Um, and yeah, basically he's like, you've got 365 days to fall in love with me. Um, and that's that. There was a lot of her running away and him put, and then he didn't like the fact that she's very like feisty mm-hmm. and standing up for herself. And uh, she slaps him, I think, and mm-hmm. things like this. And he gets, he's like, don't test me or whatever he says. Uh, don't provoke me. That's it. <laughs> and uh, yes, he basically is like manhandling her, mm-hmm. being a bit gropey, but then saying, I won't do anything without your permission. Yeah pretty sure you are by kidnapping her though mate well the direct to be honest the direct line because i wrote it word for word is i won't touch you without your permission he says whilst groping her he literally says those words as he is shoving his hand delusional (laughs) delusional (laughs) he shoves his hand on her breast and he's like just giving her a good old grope while saying i won't touch you without your permission and i'm like "Uh, do do we like uh, yeah this continues Yeah, so that's basically what happens for, like, the next hour. Uh, Her provoking him, Mm -hmm. being very provocative. Well, provocative. Um, (laughs) She's basically using the power of her sexual sexual desire Mm -hmm. and her body and the fact that he's attracted to her as a a way of asserting her dominance in in the the power struggle, which Mm -hmm. I really liked the aspect of that you know rather than kind of like her being you know obviously it's very it is it isn't necessarily a good message Mm. because it's like okay so has she just accepted that this is normal and is kind of like because she's not basically doing it to try and escape it's not Mm. like a ploy to try and escape she is doing it to to try and get one up in the situation, She's but the way that it up. plays out, it's the way that it plays out is the problem as opposed to this specifically. She's trying to wind him up because she thinks that she basically is like, well, I'm not just going to sit here being meek with my weak heart and let this happen. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to kick and scream about it. I'm going to make his life so much more difficult for that reason. And the way that she does it with someone like him is to provoke him sexually. Now, 
that's not very good idea when this guy who says he's consensual is not well, because yeah. he will do he, things in retaliation. He like, says a number of times, violent. like, you can do that and I'm still not going to touch you. I won't touch you. But every time he and says, I'm not... testing him. But every time <clears throat> he says, I'm not going to touch you, he's he, cho- he gets her in a chokehold. Like, do you know what my theory is, though, which you're going to be like, oh, duh, is that because she's so attracted to him she doesn't really care as much mm. in a way. And that is that is one of the biggest issues with the film. Yeah. In that, like, uh, I wrote, you know, she absolutely in no way deserves to have been kidnapped, absolutely in no way no. deserves to be manhandled, to be thrown to the floor, to be choked. But the way her character is written gives off such mixed messaging that she's immediately yeah, yeah, like, yeah. leave me alone, don't touch me, and now I'm going to get naked and shower in front of you. But that's, I think that's because, and I'm not saying this is right, mm. but the the reason for that is because she does find him attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, in, the films, yeah. in the film's logic. In the film's logic, yeah. yeah. She's dissatisfied in her relationship. She gets kidnapped and she's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy is getting all of my girl and I kind of like it. I'm going to play him. I, it's, 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 she's playing sexual yeah. games with him essentially because she does, she doesn't care if like, she kind of trusts him enough that she knows if he's sexually violent towards her, it's within her realm of consent in her head mm. because she wants it. Mm-hmm. So she can push that mm-hmm. Because she's like, the way he's retaliating isn't something that I don't want. Yeah. However, that being said, it gets to a point where he ties her up to the bed with a telescope. Is it telescopic? I think so. Like uh, a football. Like pole kind of thing. Where the more she struggles, the the wider her feet are pulled apart. Yeah, and you can't (laughs) close it back. Yeah. This gets to a point where I was like, do you know what? I'm tapping out now Mm -hmm. because this is like, you're trying to be sexy and you're trying to be like, like steamy and stuff, mm. but this is pure sexual violence, and I'm actually not sure whether this is going to go full on. Like that was I got rape quite concerned at, at that point, and it's a shame as well. I haven't watched Fifty Shades of Grey, and I'm not part of the BDSM community. But what I do know, the little knowledge that I do know, is that Fifty Shades of Grey gave BDSM community quite a bad rap, and they say that it mm-hmm. isn't a good representation of BDSM. Is that scene uses so much BDSM iconography? But for yeah. sexual violence, I was like, "Yeah, it's he, really irresponsible. It's so irresponsible. So irresponsible. Yeah, and it just makes me so crazy that we're in 2021 and these films don't have consultants for sh- for shit like that. Mm. And it's just purely because they don't care. Yeah, they do not care what communities they shit on when they make films like this. Yeah. They just want shock value and they want people. Uh, well, yeah, that's basically it. They want the iconography that." that fills in the gaps of not having to say or do much and they want to shock people. And this happens across loads of different communities for different reasons yeah. outside of this theme. Um, but it's just another example of that happening. And that's it. And like BDSM is so much about consent and like it is about, it's not, it's about... And trust. It's not about violence. It's about kind of, like, aggressive isn't even the word. Like, I don't no. know the word for it. But it, it's about intense and 
aggressive sex but it's not about violence and it's all about consent and partnership and safe words and then you have this scene where without her consent he just straps her up using all of this equipment and tries to play it off as sexy like look how kinky and cool it is and it's like no it like consent is kinky he's like he's basically doing it like you've been a bad girl and if it if if this had happened i feel like there's certain ways which we always talk about at the end how the film could have been better. But, oh yeah, I agree with the film and I've perfected it. I've got, I've got, the, I've got the perfect version. <laughs> Release the Claire cut. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's just like if they'd already established a consensual relationship at that point, mm-hmm. that could have been really sexy. Yeah. yeah. But instead, it goes so far the and other way scary. to the point where I, it, I felt physically sick mm. watching it the first time, and then there's, then then. Like, basically, he's threatening her and be like, you need to behave because I could rape you right now, basically, is what he says yeah. um, in not At so many point, words. And then he brings... Oh, go the, on. He's given her 365 days and he said, I won't touch you. You've got 365 days to fall in love with me and I promise I won't touch you. This is day two or day three and he's already chained <laughs> yeah. her up to the bed and he's like, I but could his, rape you if I wanted. I'm like, what happened to the other days? He's... <laughs> <laughs> you're not going you're going you're not going the right way for love mate the issue the issue is the way they explain that way is that he's like don't provoke yeah don't provoke me like that's the way he's he's yeah. uh, justifying this behavior yeah. um and i think that's why she does it because she's just like you think you're a good guy but you've kidnapped me mm-hmm. so i'm gonna provoke you with the thing i'm gonna use what I have against you mm-hmm. that you want mm-hmm. to try and show you how much of a bad guy you really yeah. are is kind of the vibe that I got from there. But yeah, no, it's really awful, especially when he brings in the girl and then there's a girl that just gives him a blowjob while she's made to watch. So this is my other um, all women thing. So this is my other thing. He, I, I know exactly what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. He's like, I'm going to show you what you're missing and then makes a sex worker (laughs) give him a blowjob and it's the second blowjob we didn't talk about the first blowjob in the film which is very upsetting so we'll go back to that in a minute because it's on a similar line yeah let's let's group both blowjobs together so we don't have to spend as as long on them (laughs) but so firstly i am sure there are women out there who get a lot of pleasure from giving a man a blowjob 100 percent not one of them, but I'm sure they are there. <laughs> Sex is fun and it is about giving and receiving. But most women, even the ones that like giving blowjobs... Well, that's not the point, is yeah. it? It's, well, it's a different missing? point. He's not showing yeah. her anything. He's showing her, look, you're missing the fact that it should I be the can other way get around. other women to suck me off. Like It's really strange. Like, it's really, really and, strange. So like, it made me question, like, did a man write this film? But it was co-written by a man based on a book written by a woman. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah, like... But maybe, was that intentional to show his like egotism of probably. you don't actually know what women want? Probably. But also I think it was just so that like, I think the biggest thing was so that their eyes could connect so that like she can be watching him and they could like almost like, I think the point they were trying to make was you could be giving me all of this pleasure but it's like obviously giving a man pleasure when you're in a sexual consenting partnership is a very good thing it's always nice to you know give and receive but it just doesn't work giving and receiving (laughs) it doesn't work in the context of this look at what you're missing and then my theory is that maybe that they could have done that with if he'd actually had sex with someone else, yeah. 
with the eye connecting but it yeah. would have gone too far yeah. for a film like yeah. this yeah i think that's the problem and then at that point it needed it needed to be a, a base or two yeah. before that and then <laughs> um, the other thing being um these are the most aggressive and upsetting blowjobs ever Ugh. this one not quite so bad because it's still bad I believe well, it's, it was it's not called... as bad only because you've seen the one before. <laughs> so I listened to a different podcast and I believe they called it chicken necking, um, is the term that they used. Jesus Christ. Um, it's where... so awful. Just even the name makes my my stomach. Not only is the woman giving him a blowjob, but he's very aggressive and he grabs her head and is like thrusting her mouth and her head all over him in a very. Apparently she can't manage it herself. Yeah, and it's, it's quite upsetting. In this scene that's part way through the film, we're given the impression that this woman may or may not be a sex worker i very much got the impression she was a sex worker but that it was a consensual that she was there of her own volition yeah, to yeah, give him the blowjob yeah. and whether or not she consented to being manhandled like that i do not know but at least she seemed to consent to going through with the act in what yeah. in the second scene in the film or the third scene, um, we see, is it Massimo going, he's on an aeroplane. Yeah, we're talking about right back at the beginning. Right back at the beginning. But this happens, this happens at the same time in parallel mm. with Laura going home and, and then masturbating. So Massimo is pissed off on a plane because he finds out that his shipment of cocaine has gone missing and he's so angry and he's so Coca. enraged that he storms to the other end of the private plane and grabs an air hostess. Not too far away, mind. No, private just, planes aren't that big. Just a little curtain in, the, in between. Closes, closes a little wisp of a, a curtain. A privacy curtain. <laughs> um, and grabs this um, air hostess and in, to my mind, I don't know if it is to the film's mind, but to my mind, forces this woman to give him a blowjob whilst he again very aggressively grabs her head he and is shoving to her i'm pretty sure he whispers something yeah but it just it, no which implies that it's it's not she literally grabs her and forces mm. her but at the same time there's not a lot of time i'm talking pure seconds mm. between and no cuts him whispering in her ear and then basically pushing her down yeah like he pushes her head down and he has her head in his hands it's so aggressive i found it very so upsetting it felt oh, like yeah, a very yeah, yeah. aggressive violent scene that, that is then interspersed with lara giving herself pleasure so you're meant to i believe in the film's mind think that it's a pleasurable act but to me it was rape or assault it was aggressive it was awful and then the worst thing being that then when it's done and he sends her hostess on her way she like walks the length of the plane and you can see that she is crying she is crying she's got tears in oh, her yeah, eyes oh yeah her mascara is literally all over her eyes then- because she's literally like being forced to do that like she's like this is going to be explicit guys because it's explicit yeah. film but she's literally gagging yeah. and she like is choking yeah. And her eyes are watering yeah. and her makeup is literally all over her face. Yeah. But she look, she's, as a character, her character has been written to on screen as she walks away, look like she enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, she gives the camera a little like wry smile, like, Oh, a little, was, a little, you know, uh, a little wife of a little wife of the mouth, yeah. as uh, as they do as a joke on RuPaul yeah. when they make jokes about blowjobs. They do a little, you know, you can't see that on the pod, but if you watch RuPaul, you know, but, but a little, little wife of the corner of the mouth. But yeah, so I just like, I was like. It's two blowjobs too many for this film. Yeah, um, yes. Those kinds, anyway. Like such violent just... blowjobs. One of one of at least I can only read as rape, and like 
this is a film for women, surely, come on. Like, this seems like a very... Well, this is what... This is the thing, isn't it? That's why I was so shocked by these things happening as well, because I was just like, not only are they marketing this as sexy, but they're marketing it as sexy to women. Yeah. So I'm really confused why these things are in here. Um, mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we've, we've, you know, in our research discovered since that, you know, it was based on a novel written by a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. And, you know, we can't speak for all women saying that these aren't... Mm-hmm things that they would want to experience or see or fantasize about but we know for a fact that it's not something that we we know we would want to see in something and like the this. majority so... of the women that i know in my life would say the same don't well, don't yeah, know exactly. every woman in the so, planet uh... unfortunately maybe you know but <laughs> this time <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah but yeah so that's then we get kind to, of where we're at with the so we zoom back ahead to the hotel scene where it's very aggressive and he almost rapes her they then go to a club yeah. she's pissed off with him so she starts flirting with other mafia guys and it all gets yeah. a bit handsy can we just say her dress and her long ponytail in this i think it's one of her best looks so in the film i have another I tangent of this so Oh, go on. We've already seen at this point one, if not two, shopping montages. At least one. At least one. Yeah. We've seen at least one full shopping montage. Oh, I at think this I know point. what you're going to say. <laughs> she is then told to get ready to go to a club. She wears, but I think it's a banging outfit. Yes, the dress is quite short, but he that's goes, what's great about it. She looks amazing. He goes mental at what she's wearing. One of the guys, the mafia guys, is like he's going to kill you, and he sees you in that. And he is furious mm. at the dress. Like, how could you wear that to a club? Number one, it's exactly what you would wear to a club. Number two, yeah. he bought her all the clothes. He knows what options well, she has. Well, I don't know. This is what I was confused about because he's like, what are you wearing? And she was like, a couple of thousand euros of yours. So is that saying, implying that she took some of his money? She, she spent more of his money behind yeah, his back? I don't... Or that he wasn't paying attention to what she was buying and she's like well it's your money you bought it yeah like, that's I, I just didn't i was like that's a weird because he should know everything that she bought because but the whole the whole clothes buying situation is weird anyway because oh there's the, way the horrible scene with the lingerie where she's buying oh, lingerie God, yeah. and she puts on some really kinky lingerie it's very nice she looks great and um, this is less than 12 hours after kidnapping her and um, <laughs> I've got timeline <laughs> I, I start keeping the timeline um and he says uh, and even though saying that he would not touch her she's like I'm gonna wear this but you won't be it you'll have to know that I'm wearing it and that you can never see it and that you can never touch it you'll never know what's underneath and mm. he goes if I order it then I decide when I'm going to see it. I'm like, you told her 12 hours ago that you wouldn't touch her and that it would all be consensual. And now you're saying, I want to see you in that sexy lingerie. I'm like, dude, what, where is your lines of consent? But I just don't, I just don't really understand the, 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 the dynamic of the shopping scene anyway. Because obviously she's thinking that she has no clothes. Fine. They go and buy her clothes. But like the fact that he, they play it for laughs every single time throughout the film mm. that he's the bored boyfriend sitting there looking at his phone uninterested at all the gorgeous clothes that she's trying on and she's trying on all this really lovely expensive stuff so like right we've missed a conversation between these two then when he's like right okay go, go and buy some clothes she knows that he has loads of money so of course she's gonna buy loads of expensive stuff mm-hmm. he doesn't care but it's just a very weird vibe yeah. to the whole thing, considering mm-hmm. she's just been kidnapped. Yeah, very. It's just very strange about how she's flouncing around mm-hmm. in all of these nice clothes. Like, 
You just with think the, that she with the bodyguards being... with all the bags, dropping them behind yeah. her. She's acting like a wag. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, literally, you've been kidnapped 12 hours ago. Why on earth would you? And it's just like, yeah, it's just the fact that she goes, I, I get that she's, she's a strong, independent, dominant woman. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I think that they've kind of really, really, uh, like, not even acknowledged the fact that any woman in that scenario would be traumatized. 100%. 100%. And she's just, there's just no acknowledgement. Obviously, there's the acknowledgement that she's like being like, you're a sicko, blah, blah, blah. But then she kind of accepts her fate so early. So it's quickly. really, really hard to be on board with. Well, that's it. Like, I've got another note. Like, there's a there's the sexy shower scene where they have like, he's mm. in her showers and she gets naked and starts showering in front of him again to rile him up. Like, we and said that she does. staring at him. And it's like, and I've written, like, you could buy her. Be, like this is just after two days they've been together for two days at this point it's like you could buy her being interested in him as he is a good looking guy he has that macho energy if that is the vibe that you're into which it does imply that that, that is the, the kind of person that she, that she yeah, would go for got yeah. beautiful locations and endless money there are worse things in life than having an attractive rich man with his own home, his own castle, being interested in you. However, she has been kidnapped against her will and he has multiple times grabbed her by the neck and shoved her against walls. So it's like, I could buy her perhaps starting to become interested in him if he hadn't been continuously violent towards her. Mm. If he had- Yeah, if there was if they wanted to explore that. I really don't think that they should have done that from the beginning Mm -hmm. because it makes it really, really hard to believe that she would be that confident Mm -hmm. that she wouldn't be remotely traumatised by the ordeal and would immediately start using sex as a A weapon, as a power play. It's just very hard to wrap my head around, which is, again, even down to, like I say, the shopping sequences and stuff. It's just very, like, she's very quickly accepted her fate, um, which makes sense because of the speed at which the plot moves in the film. It kind of has yeah. to do that. But yes, so where are we? We're so, at the club. So we're at the club <laughs> and she looks very hot, but very slutty in his mind. And to piss him off more, she starts flirting with other mafia guys. One of them gets very handsy and starts groping at her. And apparently if... Can I say the line oh, that he says? Yeah. I remember the line because I hated it so much. He said he's going to fuck her so hard. This mafia guy. He's going to fuck her so hard they'll hear her scream in Warsaw. I forgot that line. Or was that Massimo? No, Am I confusing no, it? that was that one. That was the guy, yeah. wasn't it? What a yeah. line. What also, dialogue. I forgot. Can I just quickly go back? We're diving all over the place, <laughs> but I mean, this is just a music video of sex scenes, so we can do what we want. Is this when... They go, they go some. I'm pretty sure this is the second day they go somewhere, and he's like, "We're going to somewhere. I've got to do business." And she's they just put her like, on the plane. "Would you? Yeah, we no, not to go home, oh, not to go no, home. The bit where they drag beforehand. her into the plane and she's screaming. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. We've that um, I'm not just some bag of potatoes you can transport without permission. And then they literally lift her up like a bag of potatoes and shove yeah. her onto the plane. I quite liked that. I quite liked the bag of potatoes <laughs> transporting line. And um, we also um, missed anyway, some continue. more um, rapey bits there when she when she's put on the plane against her consent like a bag of potatoes. They strap oh, her up with like yeah. a ton of different um, safety belts, and then Massimo goes over and shoves his hand down her trousers while everyone else is sat behind them. And then it's played off in a way that she's been misbehaving, which is why they've like taped her up on the play. And he's like, you don't deserve this pleasure yet. And we're led to believe that she wanted him to shove his hands down her trousers in front of everyone on the plane. But because she's been a naughty girl and didn't get on the plane when she was meant to, she doesn't get to be <laughs> sexually assaulted in front of other men on the plane. This film is so confused. 
so confused with what it's trying to do. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you, about that specific scene. Is my housemate walked in and she was like, "This is just basically porn." I was like, "That scene." That scene, you haven't seen anything yet, <laughs> sis. You have not seen, bearing in mind I'd seen it before, so yeah. I was just like, there's a yacht. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, sorry. We're Bouncing so close to getting to, to the, the club. Uh, so yeah, so in the club, that man says that. She then starts screaming. Massimo gets very angry uh, because he is the only one allowed to touch her without consent. And um, then it cuts, and then she magically wakes up looking beautiful on a yacht. And um, apparently off screen, Massimo killed that guy and has caused a bit of a uh, mafia war. And it's all her fault. And his advisor tells her that he needs to kill Lara because that's really... The only solution is she's a troublemaker, and to get rid of her, she can. Well, maybe she could. You could just put her back to take her back to Poland and just let her get on with her life. No, <laughs> then they have a disagreement where she's like, "I'm not your property," because he blames her, he slut shames her, and he's like, "You shouldn't not have been bag of potatoes." <laughs> he starts saying, "You shouldn't have been dancing with that guy. You shouldn't have been out there looking like that. Other people can't touch it's you." It's always someone's fault. Duh. And slut shames her for that, and she says, "I'm not your property." And they get into a heated argument, and it's not quite clear whether he intentionally or accidentally he pushes her off the yacht. Does she fall? Does he push her? Did he push her on purpose? I don't know. I'm not going to lie, Claire. I don't even remember this happening on the second rewatch, so I must have really zoned out. <laughs> so she ends up in the water by accident in the yacht. The yacht is barely moving, but he panics. He's like, oh my God, Lara! And like has to dive in to save her because she's going to drown. Um, and then again, she like passes out. That weak heart of hers makes her like, come in and out of consciousness damsel man um i was about to say damsel in distress um so then she wakes up downstairs in the yacht and she's like he's also soaking wet and she's like you saved me it's like he didn't save you it's his fault you fell in (laughs) the least he could do would save you. What? But she's like, you saved... The bar is set very, 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 very low. She's like, you saved me from drowning in the ocean that I could very clearly have swam in. Maybe she doesn't know how to swim. And then she decides... The weak heart. The weak heart. She decides that is the reason. That is the moment. She's like, I'm ready. I love you. Thank you for saving me from drowning from when you pushed me into the ocean. I consent... <laughs> Let's have some sex. All over this yacht. What a sex montage it is. Fair play. Yeah, because, like, honestly, and I don't know if you thought this as well, because I know that tons of people on Twitter are like, uh, it looks so real. Yeah, they've had to come out and be like, it's not real. 100%, it is not real. I just want to draw a bit of a comparison on that, actually, because I've seen Love by Gaspar Noe, which is the film where they genuinely have sex throughout the whole film it's not faked and that was an experience um but it was actually super super interesting and really interesting from like an art perspective Mm. um but watching a film where genuinely you have seen people having sex on screen it's not faked and then seeing that i was like genuinely like looks exactly the same Mm. obviously less explicit Mm -hmm. in that way well it's still explicit but like You've got to draw the line somewhere, but if it's faked, because you can't, mm-hmm. can't actually do it. But yeah, like considering I've got that to compare it to, 
it they did so well in terms of like the the act the lead actors and the cinematographer and the director i think for what they were trying to do did a bang up job on it a literally bang up. <laughs> bang up um yeah i was i was very impressed by the by the sex montage um i will put it out here i i don't watch porn i don't see a lot of sex in my media so i was quite impressed by it i have heard a lot of other people say it is a really bad sex montage and that it isn't Ah. that they don't have a lot of chemistry and that it's not very sexy so it made me feel bad then i was like i found it very sexy i disagree i thought it was great and i think that the way the way that it was done like obviously putting aside the problematic nature of the plot Mm -hmm. and looking at the plot build up as if I was like I'm perfectly happy with what's going on I think aside from the reasons for why they suddenly had sex I was just like no this feels like it's built up mm-hmm. to this moment now yeah. um yeah and I thought it was perfectly fine and, and it looked <laughs> beautiful <laughs> sexy like don't get me wrong it's not they've not done it in a way that a lot of like erotic thrillers from mm-hmm. sort of the 80s and 90s like done it. it's not it's not steamy. It is explicit. It is a yeah. lot of wide shots. That, a lot. It's more porn than it is a sex. And I think really, that's what a lot of the criticism I was seeing was like, it's not it's sensual. Not it's not sexy. It's just no. stuff or porn. Um, and yeah, so I'm like, okay, but that's what that film. This film yeah. is. This yeah. film isn't like we are. Didn't we talk about like what we were going to discuss and talk about our, our top mm. themes of the, about erotic dramas or whatever? And we were like, but it's not erotic. Yeah, it, it's got a it's lot of just... sex in it, but it's not erotic. Yeah, so I think that perfectly sums up that. But I think for the film that it's in, it works perfectly well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of sex. I found it quite steamy. Uh, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hot under the collar. <laughs> uh, you know, beautiful people doing beautiful things in a beautiful location. It's kind of the summation of the film. Um, Can't complain. Then... They're in love. They're all happy. We get some more montages. Of she gets another shopping more, yeah, montage. Yeah, more shopping montages. Like, what are they doing with the clothes? Are they just burning her clothes because she is buying so many outfits <laughs> and consistently having to buy more outfits? Um, I don't know. And you'd think, and you'd think it's because they're trying to imply that they've been together a lot longer than yeah. what we've seen. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. No, <laughs> that's not true. This is basically like. At this point, like a month and a half in. At best. Because the end yeah. is like two months. Yes. Um, yeah. So then they go to a dinner or a party or something and they have a nice tango. Oh, did we miss... Didn't we miss that he took her back to Poland at one point? That's later. And she was going crazy with that more as if we not That's got there yet. Okay. So they, they go... They all, everything is the same. Still, they could all be interchangeable it's, scenes it's at this point. <laughs> brunette versus blonde. Um, so she goes... Okay, yeah. good. Okay, because it's the shopping montages. Yeah. They threw me off. Yeah. I was thinking of the blonde wig shopping no, montage. No. Okay, so we're... Okay. This There's is the one where she, she had the makeover <laughs> from the two over-the-top gay guys. <gasps> yes, because they're going to the ball. Yeah. Um, so they go to ball. They do a very uh, nice tango, and then his ex girlfriend mm-hmm. arrives and gets quite aggressive. And it's kind of heavily implied that she is also in a mafia family. And Lara discovers that they broke up. Is it the day that he kidnapped Lara? Like the day before? Literally, he basically <sighs> broke up with his girlfriend the minute he saw Lara at the airport. <laughs> um, Pretty much. And so then we get the impression that. 
she is going to have Lara killed, so he needs Lara to go away for a bit, so he sends her home to Warsaw. And um, she is free, and she doesn't want to be free because she loves him and she needs to be with him, even though they've been together at maybe a month and a half. <laughs> and like I fall hard. I fall very quickly, but two, two words for you, Claire. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> but the film isn't nuanced enough to even understand what Stockholm Syndrome is. No. Um, They'll be like, but we're not in Stockholm. <laughs> we're in Sicily. Sicily Syndrome. <laughs> um, she goes back to Warsaw and meets up with her friend who she was on holiday with, who quite rightly is like, where the fuck have you been? I thought you were murdered. What were you doing? Um then they have a bit of discussion about whether or not she should miss him, whether or not she should go live her own life. So her friend takes her out to be pampered. And because in her friend's words, she needs rejuvenation. Now, yes, she has been kidnapped. But so far, the only thing we have seen in this kidnapping is that she sits on private yachts drinking and goes shopping and goes to balls. What fucking do you need to be rejuvenated from that you need to go on a I spa also- day? I want to know. I want to know what she told the friend then that this kidnapping was like, because that's not what you imagine kidnapping to be. And I also think we should mention that at the beginning, maybe like one or two days in, when like they start to build up trust between each other, he gives her back her laptop mm-hmm. and her phone, and she calls her mum and says that she's taken a job. So I think people weren't literally looking for yeah. her. Um, but obviously, her friend hasn't really got any information yeah. at all. I don't think she just thinks she's disappeared off. Not to the point that she'd try and find her, though, well, apparently. I think she's but... more kind of that because they were on holiday together. So she's like, we were on holiday and you just never came back. <gasps> right, yeah. Um, but, like, she does not need a spa day. She needs to go and see a therapist and maybe, like, a policeman or a bodyguard or something. <laughs> she doesn't need a massage and a spa day. And then... Yeah, but that wouldn't be a fun montage talking to a therapist. So then we get... This montage pissed me off because we get a wonderful montage where they're having a spa day, but they're clearly having their hair done before they go to the spa, which is stupid because you would not get your hair done before you go to the spa. But anyway, then we see this big scene of her getting her hair and her makeup done. And then they arrive at a club... And all of a sudden, she has the most disgusting platinum blonde wig I have ever seen. So was it implied that that's what's happened to her hair or that she's wearing a wig? It's heavily implied that that's her hair. You are not meant to... Because I think I just skimmed over that because I genuinely lost all... Uh, I couldn't I couldn't believe that, that that was what they were trying to say. So I just... I think I missed that. And then was just like, oh, no, she's just wearing a wig. Oh, because some people do that. a wig. But then she keeps that exact same wig for the whole yeah, rest, for the of, rest the of it. Because I was like, well, that's very yeah, clearly not, a wig. I was not a fan. Yeah, I was like, it's not, it's not a good wig. She doesn't look good. But it's like, because she doesn't want to be noticed because someone's trying to kill her. Clever, like, wear a wig. No, mm-hmm. it's just implied that she's so cut up from the fact that Massimo has sent her home to Warsaw <laughs> that it's like a breakup and she's done the classic girl thing of getting <laughs> a massive makeover. Yep, so then she bumps into her ex-boyfriend, has a bit of to do with him, goes back to the hotel that Massimo's put her up in, and he's there. He's clearly been in some sort of battle or has some wounds, and they decide they're going to stay together, and they're going to get married, and then... Yeah, he he puts the ring on her finger while she's asleep, and then... When she wakes up, he's like, we married. Which I think is quite sweet, actually. They do it better in The Time Traveller's Life. 
Oh, <laughs> currently on Netflix. I imagine they do a lot of things better in that film um, than this. Also problematic for reasons of grooming, which I don't buy into because I find it very romantic. But I can, I can understand why. Um, so then they he returns, <laughs> he proposes. So then they go on another shopping montage. <laughs> but it's in. I get a bit confused because did they ever say they were going to a wedding? Before they went on the shopping No, so she is trying on all of these dresses. And it's meant to relate back to the scene in the club earlier where he's like, that's too short, you can't wear that. And she's trying on the dresses are more and more risque every time. And she's like, but I want to wear it. Look how hot I look and I'll be with you. So he lets her buy what you could say is an incredibly slutty dress. I think it's a very nice dress, but it is it's a, a very it's revealing. A, it's a banging dress, but not for a wedding. So then where they are going to where is a wedding so yeah. she turns up at this wedding which did you know that the bride in the wedding is the author <laughs> yes yeah yeah um so she turns up at this wedding she told all her family she's after the wedding because the, they, the bride and groom are coming out yeah. of the church <laughs> so in the context of this film this girl has gone on holiday with her living boyfriend gone to a holiday with a living boyfriend and then broken up with him and never come home she hasn't really spoken to anyone in like a month and a half she then arrives at a wedding that her parents are at so we're going to assume it's a family friend's wedding she arrives at a wedding where no one has seen or heard of her for what two months she's told them that she's living abroad for the year she's broken up with a living boyfriend and she turns up in the most revealing dress in a completely new bizarre look with some guy who's very clearly a gangster and her mum and dad are just like oh hi love do you like vodka <laughs> like oh, oh, oh. see i i wondered whether they didn't explain it but it would was or was organized off screen that mm. that's when he was going to meet the parents but i mean i also wouldn't put it past this screenplay to that for that not to be the case because the pace moves so quickly mm-hmm. and it misses all of those regular beats that you come to expect from a film yeah. and um I, I mean i have to applaud it in some ways because you know we don't need those same beats you know we can we can draw the, the connect the dots yeah but in this, you're kind of like, am I connecting the dots because you've been smart with your time? Or am I connecting the dots because you haven't bothered to, to actually write a cohesive story? <laughs> um, also, go back to the author being the bride. Do you know who she wanted to be originally? Yes. The air hostess who gives the blowjob. <laughs> wow. wow. I think uh, it, it, it sounds like she wanted to do that because she knew it was a controversial scene. Mm. And so she wanted to like nip it in the bud straight away and be like, I'm the author. I wrote this. I'm, I'm a woman. I'm comfortable with it mm. so much so that I literally am on screen doing it. Um, <laughs> which I get her point, but also like, eh. Okay. Now we're almost... The production company, the production company said no. Yeah. So I think... Yeah. We're almost at the end of the film and I've literally, I've got four more bullet points from when I was watching the film. So this is how I summarised the film in my bullet points. Daisy, you can go back and fill it in with the nuance. There's no nuance. Okay. <laughs> nuance in this film? <laughs> so I got to the point where it's like she's met family, shown her new look to her friends and family. Okay. Then my last four bullet points for the ending of this film. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Lazy Storytelling 101. They go on a shopping montage for her wedding then she's dead. The end. <laughs> it's really funny when I was watching this the first time because I was like, and this, and, and, and it like, feels that, now it we feels can... that like, 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> now we've got now we've gone through the plot. I can tell you when I start to enjoy, it. and that's when things started to be consensual. And I was like, right, okay, I don't the like York how we scene got is here. The turning point. Yeah. yeah, I don't like how we got here, but we're here now, yeah. and I'm enjoying it. Um, and then I was like, okay. Where I'm just intrigued to see how much... Where's it going to go yeah. from here? Saw that there was literally 15 minutes left. I was like, is this just going to be some happy ending? Yeah, like, they're just going to get married. And yeah, they're going to get married. Turns out she's pregnant. Her friend comes over from Poland because like, he will only allow one person at the wedding. Poland at his wedding. Um, and then, yeah, she's on the on the way home. From wedding him, from, another, from another montage, they do a wedding dress shopping the montage. The dress, though, <laughs> the dress... <laughs> was phenomenal it was um and uh yeah she's calling him being like can we talk after dinner i need to tell you something because she's gonna tell him about the baby and then it's all like they get a call that the you know the other mafia family gonna are gonna kill her but but the the who is it an uncle or something yeah. i don't know can't get on the phone to massimo because he's talking to laura and then all of a sudden the the car that they're in goes into a tunnel and doesn't come back out again and then, and then it we ends. get one of the best cinematic moments of history where Massimo understanding what has happened at, at his pool drops to his knees in despair in slow motion and screams up to the heaven and Finn <laughs> not before you see a, a flashing blue light outside the tunnel oh yeah yeah because otherwise it would be too like otherwise it would be too like mysteriously magical you needed you needed that sort of like emphasis of no 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 this is an emergency <laughs> this is serious i called the despair by the pool scene hysterical and very smell the fart days of our life acting <laughs> days of our lives but yeah i mean it literally that's that's how it ends and and i think that's kind of how i realized how i was invested because by the end i was like oh what yeah wait what like, i wanted to pay off was you the same <laughs> yeah i was like yeah. Wait, i didn't sit through this and go through this emotional turmoil and i was like that sequel bait if ever i've seen one and now i realize that it's based on a book and the book's a trilogy yeah. so that makes sense that it would stop there i mean the um, obvious thing as well when you watch that ending is that she met the other girl at a party when she was still brunette. She's in the car with her brunette friend, but she's now blonde. So the obvious thing is that they're going to have killed the friend and not her. And that's how I thought it was going to end. I thought it was going to be the news that she'd been assassinated. And then he'd find out. But what really happens is that they killed the friend because the friend's now the brunette. Is that... Is that your theory? That I know it, that isn't the case, but when I was watching it, right, that, I was was, gonna say. that was my theory, which is why I thought that her being blonde was done on purpose so that the other the, the murderers wouldn't know who she was, but no, it was just done so that she could look hot. Yeah, no, they didn't. They, there's not enough reasoning. There's not enough logic behind I wondered that if they like it, somehow yeah. ran out of budget halfway through the film because that second half <laughs> just of the film... For it to stop. Just like the hair is awful, the clothes don't seem as good, the locations don't seem as good, they seem really rushed. I was like, did they run out of money? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't think I have the box office, not the box office, I don't think I have the budget mm. details actually. Um, I didn't come across them at all. So no, that would Netflix be interesting don't to, always um... really. And so there, we'll get into the controversy, which we've kind of tapped in and out of anyway. Mm-hmm. But I will say, Netflix um, were keen to point out during some of the controversy that 
this is not a Netflix original film. It belongs to Netflix because Netflix mm. have the distribution rights for most of the countries, but they yes. did not fund it in any way. So the content isn't their fault. They are just offering it as an option. <laughs> yeah, but then the argument is you're offering it so you have a responsibility. Well, and they weren't just offering it. Like It was the only thing you could see on that damn website for like a month. Like you turned on oh, Netflix yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was like yeah. they were heavily pushing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it did have its you know, it had a theatrical release in Poland on the seventh of February last year, where it grossed nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um and it also had a limited theatrical release in the UK mm. on Valentine's Day, believe it or not. Oh. Um, where it grossed four hundred and ninety-four thousand uh dollars just over. And then yes, it was later made available on Netflix on the seventh of June. Um, it was one of the most watched items in numerous territories on multiple continents and had one of the longest periods as the most watched item in Netflix's history in the US, which is, that's that's no mean feat. That's pretty amazing, really. And it's very interesting that it's a film like this. Yes. <laughs> which kind of like, I don't know, does that say something about the streaming era? Does that say something about audiences these days? Is it more about the industry and the way things are marketed? I think it was like I was saying at the top of the pod, it was kind of like a lightning at the right time moment in that you've got everyone is stuck at home. Yeah. No one can go anywhere to travel. No one can go anywhere to shop. No one can hook up with people. So this is getting so many wish fulfillment things and yeah. there's no new content. So it's kind of, it came out at the right time at the right moment. I think if this had come out the year before, I think it still would have had success, but I don't think it would have had success anywhere near if this had come out in 2019. I think it would have been a lot yeah, more of agreed. a slow burning success agreed. rather than that. It kind of exploded. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not just us who are suffering through these films. We know a lot of you out there are watching along too. And we want to remind you that we always want to hear your opinions of the films in question. You can send a voice memo to wratedpod at gmail.com for any of the films we'll be covering and we'll feature it in the episode. This week, we hear from our good friend Jimmy, who had some differing opinions on 365 days than myself and Daisy. Hi Daisy, hi Claire. Uh, Thanks for giving me the opportunity to let off some steam about a very unsteamy movie. Um, 365 days. Uh, Well it's shit. I haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey and I know this was meant to be like the real deal compared to that. Or, you know, at least that's what the people who made it said. Um, I mean, yes, it is like reasonably explicit, but it's not sexy. I mean, it's like, it's really, really not sexy. Like, you know, it's about sexy as wet toast. Um, You know, it might have been hot, uh, were it not for the songs on the soundtrack, which just like kill the mood, stone dead. I mean, I think this might be the worst soundtrack I've ever heard in any film. And I also know that, you know, the film is has been controversial because, you know, it's supposed uh, glamorization of kidnapping and coercion and whatnot. But, you know, I found it difficult to get offended by it all because it is just so badly made. I mean, it's, it's not provocative because it, it doesn't even get the fundamentals right. I mean, the first act is just is so messy and it just fumbles the way it's trying to establish this main guy's obsession with the main woman. And it's like his desire for her just seems so arbitrary. And, you know, it's just an excuse for an hour and a half of like to in and fro in between the both of them. And it just gets so tedious. 
you know, it wants to be this controversial adult film, but it's got ambitions that are like way above its abilities. You know, it wishes it could be dealing with the, you know, the sometimes troubling complexities of desire, you know, and it wants to stare into the abyss of, you know, what is a very twisted romance. But it just doesn't have anything to bring to the table apart from like some funny shagging and some piss weak dialogue. It is, yeah, I think I think it's superficially provocative. Uh, it has nothing to say. It's shit. And since my cat Charlie was also in the room when this was on, I, I think it's only fair that um, we find out what he thought of it. So, um, Charlie, what did you think of it? Well said, boy. In terms of the reception... Obviously, we've talked about how it's it's interesting. It's always interesting when you come across films like this where something so heavily popular, Mm -hmm. but also so heavily Mm criticised as well. Um, Because, you know, obviously with the most popular films, you're always going to get people on the other side of the fence who don't like it. But considering this has got such a backlash, it's it's just interesting how... And this just goes to show, like, obviously, like, conversations we've had before, Claire, about, you know, um, like things with Jack and Jill about how... Mm -hmm the audience rating is based on people that actually went to see that Mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. Something like this where it's got backlash, the people that have seen this film and the people who are against it aren't necessarily the the same same people Mm -hmm. because you don't have to be, you don't have to watch it to be against it. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I'd be interested to know the percentage of people that have watched it that are against it and how many people that are against it have watched it and I'm not saying they have to have watched it to be against it but it's just an interesting Mm -hmm. way of looking at the data so to speak like we did with Jack and Jill where it was like well okay these ratings are purely from people that even went to chose to see in the first place Mm -hmm. the data is always skewed um but yeah ultimately this was heavily criticized because of the the sexual violence uh the context of of the sex uh romanticizing kidnapping um and rape and yeah, it just did. It did not go down well. I don't know if you have any specific so I, sort of talking points from that. Yeah. So I um, mentioned earlier that I listened to a really good podcast. Um, so it's called R and R Rated, and they did an episode. So they look at erotic thrillers, um, and they did an episode on this. And they, the um, female host on it, spoke so wonderfully about the sexual politics in this film. So I really recommend going and listening mm-hmm. to that episode because I will uh, butcher what they were saying. But the gist of what they were saying, which I really agreed with, is that there are issues with the film because of its views of consent and it is fulfilling rape fantasy. Um, but she was saying she didn't like the term rape fantasy because that in itself is quite... Um, worrying term but you know you can there are people who have a desire through role play through kinks to go through kidnapping fantasy it is mm. a thing you can pay to be fake kidnapped and go for a sexual fantasy she called it a ravishing fantasy and she said like it does make sense why right. it would be that makes more sense yeah it, should, it makes sense why it'd be so popular because women are, are taught by society that we're not allowed to express sexual desire. So some, like, Mm -hmm. women, and this is very kind of generic, so it's not all women, but women 
do have sexual desire and do want to be taking and do like passionate, aggressive, rough sex. But mm-hmm. we are told we are not allowed to talk about it. So you cannot say to a man, mm-hmm. I want you to grab me and slam me against that wall because it'll be really hot. Because mm-hmm. then you're seen as dirty or whorish or overly sexualized because women are meant to just be. Or you have the thing of, oh, but it's like the double standard yeah. where they where people confuse consent and say, oh, but, you know, people arguing against saying this is not okay violent wise and like oh so you're against violence but you like that during sex and it's just like the bottom line if you're confused it's always consent so ravaging fantasy rather than kidnapping or rape fantasy as they described it the phrasing of that Mm. puts it back in the women's exactly active voice as well and that's what the fantasy is it's about them being wanted yeah. in that way i think more so than the man taking yeah it, it allows them yeah. in this fantasy element to say look this is what i want i want this kind of role play of being taken of it being a bit aggressive of me being passive you being dominant it allows but it's still because within the context of the role play of them being kidnapped or taken it allows them to be very active in the sex without ever having to say i am active they get to keep that passivity get to keep that feminine oh sex oh no like don't touch me but oh oh look you touched me um and that's why it's so popular and so you can see why and like i did a lot of kind of research into I think some of the reason that the film has had so much backlash is because it becomes from a it comes from a very specific style of romance literature that hasn't really got into mainstream media like film is. People that like that romance literature know all about it. These are all really typical tropes that you can find in tons of different romance novels, but you don't see them that much in film because they don't translate as well. And I think it's because those books are very specifically written for a women's desire and women even when they can hear their you can read their thoughts and even though women are still seeking out this literature there's still the taboo of but you can't ask for sex it just needs to you just have to hope that it happens and if we as a society Mm. were more open about female sexual desires and female sexuality and submissive and passive and dominant sex desires then maybe we mm-hmm. wouldn't have worrying context like this film that plays into very concerning mm. tropes of like the whole issue with this film which i do have an issue with is that it tells viewers that no doesn't mean no that no means not yet mm-hmm. that is what it plays into and mm-hmm. um, because it never the film is one giant kidnap fantasy but it never tells you it's a fantasy so within the logic of the film it is real so you don't ever know that consent so like you were saying we feel like she is consenting and that's why she's doing the things like having the sexy shower but the film isn't nuanced enough to tell us that and i believe the book is we are yeah we are putting on that layer of understanding because we understand from a human behavioral and character study that we understand that's what's happening but people who aren't approaching films in an analytical way people who don't have the same level of emotional literacy or sexual literacy you know yeah yeah what happens very dangerous what happens when a 14 or 15 year old man or woman watches this film Mm. it it can, unless you yeah. have the emotional maturity to understand what is happening, it can lead you into very worry. Uh-huh. And that's why the scene in the hotel room, the kind of almost BDSM scene, is so, so dangerous of a scene. And really, yeah. I think, like, 
you could fix this film by taking a few scenes out or changing a couple of lines of dialogue, that scene being one of the specific ones, because that kind of sexual mm-hmm. play is very fine if you are consenting, but the film never shows you any way of saying, do you consent to this? Mm-hmm. So if you are a, a young girl who found that scene very alluring, which is fine if you did, and then you want to reenact it in your own life, which is fine if you do, but you don't know that you need to have a partner that you trust so that you then have a partner to mm-hmm. say this is the word, when I say this word, I'm not comfortable. It never shows you any of that. And if this is your only viewing of that style of sex and it interests you, it's worrying that this will be your only window into that world. Agreed. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's really eloquently put. And I think I agree with everything there. And and that is unfortunately the issue with this film is that it's kind of, it's just very, I would say it's irresponsible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that, what it's doing is you do you in a way mm-hmm. but you have to understand that you ha- like that is going to be impressionable for people and it's going to cause distress mm-hmm. and problems mm-hmm. with people who ha- don't have that wider context and emotional literacy and understanding yeah. absolutely i was listening to a, a talk the other day about gen z and uh, technology mm-hmm. and um someone who's written a book on it talks about how they think children should have lessons in um not only uh, healthy relationships but also relationships online (laughs) and it it kind of triggered those thoughts in as well about how you know the world is changing so much we were talking about the increase in like sex scenes and things like that Mm -hmm. like and the fact that you know people like you were saying like people who are 14 watching this film you can easily do that on netflix we wouldn't be able to do that if that was in the cinema so the 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 boundaries of responsibility in certification is becoming harder because um, I don't actually know how does it work with Netflix, like with certifications, because I've only had Netflix since I've been above 18. So so you have to have a credit card and I believe to have a credit card in the UK, you 18. Um, so there are, I believe, ratings on Netflix, but unless you've got a kid's account... They don't matter. They just say this is. So it depends. And like, thing is, when you look at like, if I was a teenager, so if I was like fifteen and was sharing a Netflix account with my parents, they would need to take the child lock off so that I could watch a show like Riverdale, which is aimed Mm. at teens. Very personally, think it's very inappropriate for teenagers, (laughs) (laughs) and quite a lot of stuff called porn sometimes in that in that show. But so you would already have the child locks removed, and I think the biggest thing as well that you mentioned that it's easier to find. It's not just that it's easier to find, and I think exploring your sexuality at a young age is very important. It's something that I wish I had done at an earlier age. I think it is important to feel confident in seeking out sex. But the problem being that our viewing experience has changed, that now watching a film is almost a solo activity, so there is no dialogue and no discussion. So a film Mm. like this, Mm -hmm. you're going to watch it, you're not going to share with any of your friends that you've watched it. Which is kind of like the issue that people have with, obviously, people talk about, you know, people's misunderstanding and impression being impression I can't think of the word being like having that impression on by watching lots of porn mm-hmm. because people don't talk about it yeah. so people don't know that that's not real life yeah. you're in a way it's becoming more like that yeah, right 100%. it's becoming more behind closed doors yeah and um, so mm. when things are easier to access it isn't necessarily always a negative thing but no of course not 
there are negative issues that come with it. And when we are making things more accessible, but we are having less and less communication, they're feeding only the fires and not the positive. Yeah. This backlash hasn't just come from from people on Twitter and things like that. You know, there's a French feminist collective called Collective Sourciers. I have butchered that. Apologies. Um, they started an online petition um, through Change.org addressing Netflix in France to pull the film. As of August 16th, it gained 40,000 signatures. There was also another Change.org petition initiated by a social media influencer called Michaela Zazon, which gained over 70k signatures. Um, but someone um, of influence that you and I know would know quite well is the singer Duffy, mm-hmm. who horrifically and absolutely terribly herself recounted that she had been the victim of kidnapping and rape mm-hmm. not i mean i'm not sure on timeline of of after how long after the the sort of height of career that we know her for but in like you know in the last year or so she's come out and mm-hmm. shared her story she wrote an open letter to the ceo of netflix mm-hmm. reed hastings uh, criticizing the film for glamorizing the sexual violence as she said this should not be anyone's idea of entertainment mm-hmm. nor should it be described as such or be commercialized in this manner and you know as much as we've sort of said we still enjoyed the film mm-hmm. i cannot argue against that whatsoever yeah and i think it definitely um i listened to another podcast called i think i believe it's called the movie virgins and they look at um films that are based on erotic fiction or romance fiction so switches gray twilight really bad examples plenty of other examples and they had a similar issue to kind of what duffy was saying in that if this is your kink your fetish that's okay but the way that netflix have presented it is so mainstream without any caution without any explanation that this is fantasy and without any kind of trigger warnings and then to pay it off that this is a consensual and normal relationship and it is very upsetting and i think it's tough because the issue isn't even really with Netflix. The issue is with the source material. It's with the book. Mm. Was it a good idea to adapt this book? Probably not. But the book exists. It's Was it a good idea to give it a platform like Netflix have done? Probably not. And I think it is very hard and it is very important that there are those discussions of mm. it is not a consensual relationship. I've remembered the other thing. Um, and I think the problem with the film, and they mentioned it in the R and R rated, is that the reason that you're able to overlook the horrific things Duffy references that happen in this film about the kidnap, about rape, about sexual assault, is because he's rich. They have just taken a horrific situation mm. and thrown money at it because everything is fine as long as you Mm. have money. It doesn't matter if this man is groping you because he's rich. And if you took this film and you set it as any middle-class or working-class man, we would be... Yeah, because it's just even like the coat of paint that they put over the whole situation of the fact that she's on private jets and yachts and clothes and stuff. Like, that's just dressing up and implying that, like, the whole situation is good because of those things. If you take those away and keep the crux of the issue and she was mm-hmm. still being kept a prisoner but she didn't have all these nice clothes and she mm-hmm. wasn't taking on all of these nice places and blah 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 you wouldn't be able to look past it 
it's like a distraction tactic no absolutely and that's i think that that is the issue and it's the romanticization Mm -hmm. of all of it is that but it doesn't matter because look at all the opportunities and all the money and it's like whoa no this is a very problematic plot with some very problematic dialogue but we're all, myself included, are very easily distracted by we nice montages and beautiful scenery. <laughs> no, but I think it's important that we we acknowledge that, that like as much as me and Claire have both gone, there is a turning point where it is consensual and we, we enjoyed it from there. We absolutely had an issue with with this and don't agree that it's it should have basically been. I just think it's very irresponsible. I think that's the thing as well like when we're talking about whose responsibility is this and I know that this comes from a book but you know like it's one person to 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 create this story but then it's another person to get that story in front of a publisher it's another it's another group of people that have agreed for it to be published it's another massive group of people that decided to option it for a film there's another even bigger people with an incredibly immense amount of influence that they know of netflix that have decided to to buy it for distribution part of me can't put all the blame on the one person that wrote the story when there are so many people that thought you know like whenever you see i don't know if you see this but like working in pr whenever we see a bad pr campaign we're like who signed that off Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there's so many people that it has to pass through that it genuinely is shocking when these things come out and they're so bad because you're like wow that implies there are many 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 people that thought this was okay yeah and that's scary to be honest much scarier than one person fulfilling their fantasy through a novel like <laughs> netflix have not really responded the one thing they did do was apparently originally when the film was released on netflix the tagline was she feels suffocated in her new relationship but will she breathe new passion into her life while being held captive by another man which isn't the right so they then because of some of the backlash and complaints they changed it to a woman falls victim to a dominant mafia boss who imprisons her and gives her one year to fall in love with him yeah just keeping it keeping it uh descriptive (laughs) but yeah you're like there isn't really because personally i blame the author of the novel but someone optioned this and like you say then whole teams of people turned into a film you know we can be mad at her book but she, she, but she doesn't. We can be mad at her book, but who's going to read her book without it being published? Who's going to watch this film yeah. without it being made? Who's going to watch this film all over the world without Netflix yeah. buying the distribution? So, I understand what you mean, mm. but there's no way that it would have the impact and the influence and the impression that it does without groups and groups and groups of people yeah. who thought it was okay. Yeah. Would you like to hear how we could have easily saved this film and made it nowhere on, near tell me, as problematic? Tell me the clear cut. The clear cut. Tell so, me the clear cut. The film opens with her, with him seeing someone that is either her or looks like her as a fantasy of her dancing, and his father is assassinated. So that's why he has to kidnap her, not because he wants to sleep with her, because either a mm-hmm. she saw something she shouldn't have done. B, he needs her as a witness, or C, she's in danger. Like, for some reason, because of her being present when his dad, big mafia boss, 
was murdered, she has to be taken by them either for they need something from her or for her own safety. So she is kidnapped, but none of it is for sexual reasons. And then she's angry at him. She's like, I want to go and live my life. And he's either like, but we need your help or this is for your own protection. And then they start to bond and they fall in love throughout the plot. Then, you know, you take out all of that context of you're going to be my sex slave. But like, even you can keep the 365 days yeah. as if it's like witness program. Yeah. It's like yeah. you can't go back home. You need to, we need to look up, we need to um, Make, protect you. Yeah. You need to stay here for at least a year yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like Just that. Just very That's simple. Good. Very simple. And there's still the will they won't, the yeah. intention of, I shouldn't sleep with you. You're like, keeping me against to. my will, but he isn't. Yeah being that domineering you're gonna fall in love with me and i'm gonna have sex with you <laughs> like oh i want to see that film claire but then does that play into that the the fantasy and the desire that the film is fulfilling i don't know but i think that would be a better film mm. no i like that i like that release the clear cut <laughs> release the clear cut <laughs> just a, just a little piece of trivia so i don't know if it's M- Mikel. Or Michelle, mm-hmm. in how you pronounce his name. I'm not sure how you pronounce Michael in Italian. <laughs> but the lead uh, actor, he'd actually given up on his career, mm-hmm. acting career at the time. He was newly divorced, broke, severely depressed. I don't know what the source is for this, by the <laughs> way. And working as a gardener in a tiny northern Italian village. And then all of a sudden he gets this part and now he's a global superstar. Yeah, and they used a lot of... From his, rags to riches. They used a lot of his music in the soundtrack. So, like, good for him. Like, Yes, they did. Put all those eggs yeah, in that so basket. the soundtrack. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, wa- I always watch stuff with... with um, with subtitles, but be- I didn't pay attention to what his the actor's name was it the first time I watched it, but this time I obviously knew. Um, and I kept seeing it, so something, something by M- M- Michelle Maroney, and I was just like, oh, this kid got his own music in, good for him. Can I just say, though, open that opening song did not fit whatsoever. Number None one, of the music fits. Hard For Me. It's called Hard For Me, which just, uh, what a... Uh. <laughs> don't even have the words to describe how that makes me feel um and it's just like a song about like resist risk like temptation mm. and resisting and love and like passion but they haven't even met each other yet so it was very and, and he's mourning his father at the time it's just very strange we've got a dark kidnap rape story with a rom-com montage aesthetic with the soundtrack yeah. to a clubbing film yeah <laughs> Basically, I did like some of the music. Though. I liked the music; it was just completely misused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of the songs I see red, which is one that I did stay in my head because I think it played over the credits as well, mm. was number one on Spotify's viral fifty chart in the US Ooh. after this was released. Um, but yeah, I think Maroni had um, had like five five songs in this or something. So good for him. Good for him. Can we quickly spoil the sequels? Well, I was literally just about to be like, shall we talk about the sequels? So guys, if you are excited and don't want to know what might happen in the sequels, I would just scoop ahead for about five, ten minutes. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, wow, I, um, yeah, the the plot. I'm quite relieved, to be honest, knowing what happens in the beginning of the next book. Yeah, so she doesn't die, she survives, but do you know what happens to her when she survives? Well, no, I just know that she's abducted. Yeah, so she's kidnapped she's again. Kidnapped. Um, yeah. While still being pregnant. Not a good not a good year for her. She falls in love with the second kidnapper. 
No, she does not. No, she does not. Are you joking? Are you so joking? So then it becomes no. a love triangle. Oh my god, that's a joke. That's a, that's. Is this an, a late April Fool's? No. So, um, to my knowledge... I wish I'd never even known, because that's pissed me right off. So, to my knowledge, the second book is about the fact that she's been kidnapped by another guy and that she falls in love with the second guy, but she's still no, pregnant. No, listen, listen. This, this girl, right, I was, like, a bit understanding about it all. And I was like, okay, give her the benefit of the doubt. She's fallen in love with this gorgeous guy. Clearly, she just loves anyone that takes her from someone. <laughs> at this point um, does she have like a standard or is it just oh anyone that takes me from one place from play, place A to place B against my will I love you and <laughs> then in the third film so I believe the second book ends with her being shot in the third book Massimo has to decide whether to save her life or save their unborn baby's life so well, considering she's shacking up with another bloke, I wouldn't be surprised if she if he let her go and kept the baby. <laughs> um, but she's he's dedicated his life to finding her. Well, she's not too bothered, is she? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really pissed off with Laura. <laughs> really pissed off. I'm um... clearly you just clearly you don't love Massimo. Clearly, I mean she knew him. Clearly, you just. She knew him for two months. Of course she doesn't fucking well, no, love him. Well, no, I know, but I bought into the idea that maybe she thought it was love. But if you're just going to go love any Tom, Dick or Harry that kidnaps you, then I don't have really have any... Not that I don't have sympathy for the kidnap. I don't have sympathy for the, the weird love triangle you've now got going on. Because clearly you've got, and I quote Lou Thomas, deep psychological <laughs> issues. Um, my biggest question is will the wig make a return for the second film <laughs> who's to know who's to know uh, yeah they've actually got plans to make the sequel but it's been delayed due to the pandemic so can't wait for that to be on the bottom 100 I will be watching <laughs> yeah we'll be waiting with bated breath <laughs> oh I hate myself I don't know if you saw, Claire, but this has got a 0% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I knew it. Ha- is that because there is a... Is that... How does that... Is that genuinely it's a genuinely. So there aren't a lot of critic reviews because... I was going to say, because there's no, like, consensus. It's not... The page looks quite blank. So people I wasn't sure if it was maybe, like, writing because about it hadn't it. been seen. No, so people did avoid writing right. about it. A lot of critics refused to cover it because of the content of refused. the film. And they didn't want to cover it, but it does have enough reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to have been given the zero percent. If it had not got enough, it would just have dashes. The zero percent is based off the ones that they have. They've given it zero percent. Is this our first zero percent then? I think it's one of the only ones on there, surely. <sighs> wow. And it makes sense, you know, given the context. Um, and that's against a audience rating of 29%. <laughs> Which makes sense, well, I think, given the reaction of people. More than the original Flintstones movie. <laughs> wow, that, that's that's the, the bar that we're going to compare it against every single time. Lads, every I didn't time. hate this movie, but come on. But it's not. It's not come that, on. is it? <laughs> um, so to get a tomato meter percentage you need to have been reviewed by at least 20 times by 20 separate outlets so there are at least 20 right. reviews of this film um, and there are over 40 films on rotten tomatoes with a zero percent score oh i'm very intrigued to find out what those are we, um, i'll do some 
kind of cross-referencing. And when we release this episode, you might have to remind me, listeners, because I'm terrible at saying I'll do something and they're not doing it. Um, I'll cross-reference how many of the zero percent <laughs> films are on our IMDb bottom 100. See what the crossover rate is. Yeah, nice. I didn't get too many reviews for this one. I don't know if you. If I didn't get any critics but ones. Can... I've got a few from Letterboxd. I didn't oh. do any critics. Oh, perfect. I haven't done Letterboxd this week, so oh. I will do a few top line critics. Um, Jessica Kiang of Variety described the film as a thoroughly terrible, politically objectionable, occasionally hilarious Polish humpathon. <laughs> Um, Cosmopolitan labelled it the worst thing they've ever seen, highlighting the film's dismal dialogue, poor character, de- poor character development, and unsexy sex scenes. And uh, Kevin Mayer of the Times says there hasn't been line readings this poor since the third act of The Room. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone's seen The Room, you know that the line deliveries in that are abysmal, which is what's so great about it. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> I did not hear. I did not. Oh, my Mark. Um, sorry, I just. You're my favorite customer. Sorry, going off on a tangent. Look forward to our the room you. episode, which will just be Daisy doing this for five hours. We're just gonna. Yeah, yeah. Basic. If anyone knows me, they know I'm just a quote machine. If I'm having a conversation with someone and I think of a quote, I'll just say the quote like to myself and then continue with the conversation. Okay, so letterbox reviews. I. Normally, we find our kind of one, our half-star reviews, and we find our five-star reviews. This film, it's one of the first ones that I've looked at on Letterboxd where it is just, there's no um, kind of line on the rating. It's just all 0% and then everything else is also zero stars and everything else is tiny. Yeah. I think it's quite obvious what a lot of the one-star reviews say. Um, and I think, you know, they were all quite right and um, within their ways. When you look at the five-star reviews, there are a lot of trolling and silliness and nonsense. So right, what okay. I tried to find is like the mid-range, the three, the four stars, the people that maybe a little bit like yeah. me were like, oh my God, actually, I think I didn't hate it. To try and get, because I feel like that for this kind of film is going <laughs> to be yeah. where we have the most interesting level of reviews because a lot of the one and the zero are just this is a terrible film the acting is terrible and it's really offensive which can't disagree um Mm. but i i mean a lot of these are along the same lines we've got a four star from bellis on the 8th of june i can't believe i actually liked this movie i can't wait for the next one and then a crying emoji (laughs) <laughs> I feel you. Um, another one from Vikey in December of 2020, three and a half stars. I feel bad that I enjoyed this when saying it's problematic wouldn't even begin to cover how morally repugnant and misogynistic the plot is. But <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I didn't have fun. Literally. The terrible music cues, the ridiculous sex scenes, the extravagant sets, that ending, sheer camp. And I think that, <laughs> yes. you know, sums up a lot of what I feel. And then another one from Kate Young in July 2020, three and a half stars. This was fun, but oh, so problematic. Why can't hot people fuck because they want to instead of because one was kidnapped and coerced? (laughs) Yes, Kate, why can't they? (laughs) (laughs) And then the last two, Bryce in the 15th of August, three stars. My inner 13-year-old girl loved it. My feminist self hated every minute. (laughs) Very, Mm, very That's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah. And then Emily B.N. in November, uh, three stars. 
it's not doing wonders for feminism, but like, are you lost, baby girl? <laughs> I've actually found my <laughs> review from last year, and I think it slots in very well with everyone else's. Um, somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, I stopped hating this and felt cheated out of a happy ending. Um, I want to say as well um, Tiffany who writes for CRP Writes who I always write for um, hated this film and has published a very angry rant on crpwrites.com which is quite an interesting read Um, so I would be remiss to not give her a little shout out Mm -hmm. Um, she hated the film for all the reasons that we discussed the problematicness the issues with consent and how it feeds into that like no doesn't mean no mm-hmm. um so just to give her a little shout out for a well-written and very angry review that i hate that i don't completely agree with because i still had a good time <laughs> yeah yeah well this is the thing isn't it it's like but this is why stuff like this is so compliment complex and layered and you know sometimes and i think we're finding it a lot on the pod with with the work with like the worst so-called films is that mm. There's something with like, I know who killed me, for example, I know technically Mm. isn't a good film, but I enjoyed it so much. And it's like, where do I, how do I rate Mm. this? Like, am I rating it on how technically brilliant it is or my experience? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah. So as you know, every episode we do um, top picks um, of, a, of films that are related in some form of another to the film that we are watching today. This was an interesting one. We weren't quite <laughs> sure how to categorise this. But we settled on sexy movies because we can't quite call this erotic and we can't quite... I mean, it is steamy, but then, I, uh, you know, there's not... I haven't seen a lot of quote steamy movies so Mm -hmm. we've just gone for sexy you know there's sexy stuff in it there's a sexy vibe that's how we've categorized (laughs) shall i go first you can go first okay so i'm gonna run down from three to one number three i've put eyes wide shut i don't know if you've seen it i haven't but i know it's uh, like a big orgy mask thing yeah there's a masked orgy in it, but it's all about the loss of a passion in a marriage and about um, the man in the marriage acting out and wanting to be desired and coming across this, like, uh, yeah, this, the masked orgy. And just, it's all about that kind of vibe. I haven't seen it in ages. I only saw it for the first time in the last seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's a Kubrick film, so it's really highly regarded. I'm not quite, I have a funny feeling that it wasn't, very well received as it well received as his other stuff it's definitely been like reclaimed in the last few years but it was very poorly received and there was loads of like on set issues and it's like credited as the film that broke up oh Cruz yeah and Kidman. I think there was some issues with Kidman and Kubrick like and it not being and very it took like two years to film it went like doubled its budget and doubled its filming time or something yeah. ridiculous yeah, but like overall for the vibe, it's very like eerie, but then it's like obviously got uh, just this running theme of, of sexual desire and stuff and fantasies and stuff, which I, I thought was pretty cool. And I liked, uh, I thought it was a very interesting watch. <laughs> On the other end of the scale is my number two, Magic Mike XXL. Now, <laughs> I have seen the first Magic Mike and I, I understand it was very much a a bit of a tonal shift on what people thought it was going to be. Whereas mm-hmm. this was exactly what people wanted it to be. <laughs> and I think I saw it twice in the cinema because I nice. went with different groups of friends. It's just, you know, we talk about how 365 Days is just like one long music video. <laughs> this kind of has that vibe too, where it's just like attractive men 
going around to different places and dancing and fulfilling women's fantasies. Like Joe, I can't remember how do you pronounce his name? Joe Mangiello? Mangiello? Mangiello. Um, when he does the dance in the shop with the milk or the water or whatever it is, can't remember. Um, it's just very fun, very lighthearted. It's got Donald Glover in, so I automatically love it. Um, <laughs> just a lot of fun. And I definitely think I should revisit that at some point. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that. And number one is Boogie Nights, which is just a phenomenal film. Obviously, it's a little... I don't know if sex is quite the right word for it, but there's a lot of sex in it, obviously, because you've got the porn industry. Um, so it's very 70s porn vibe. I've never seen it. Oh, have you not? And I, for some reason, thought it was about roller skating. Is there roller mm, skating involved on the cover or something? One of, one of the, act, the porn actresses, her shtick is that she roller skates everywhere. But yeah, it's about this young guy sort of getting into the porn industry and they're like family and like, yeah, it's a really interesting watch. Really, really interesting. It's got some fantastic performances in. I I would argue it's the best Mark Wahlberg performance that he's done. Mm. And yeah, it's just, it's just got, it's just got a vibe to it. It's, it's very serious at times, but it's just quite playful in other senses. And it's just an interesting and nice watch for like, looking at the porn industry for what it is, but also for the positive sides of it as well, like seeing it in more of a, from the perspective of the people that are in it and how it is, it's another business mm-hmm. that, that that exists uh, rather than kind of these super, super dark, really like seedy kind of stuff or a documentary. Like it has got lighthearted stuff in and it's a bit more humanizing, I think is the word I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to. Um, so if you haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it. It's very, very good and lots of good performances. So there are my three. I found this really hard. I've definitely uh, flopped this week. <laughs> I did not know <laughs> what to put. I definitely feel like um, this outs me as a very unsexy person. So I'm sorry if you have this wonderful view of me out there, listeners, that I'm, you know, much cooler and sexier than I am. Um, so i've gone for and these are in no particular order um call me by your name which i just find incredibly hot and sensual and sexy um unfortunately can't discuss it too much anymore because of the actor but it is as mentioned in our very first episode one of my favorite films ever made so it will always hold a special place in my heart and i just found its exploration of like burgeoning sexuality very intense and like I felt Elio's like vibe, like the pain and the longing. Mm. I felt it. Second one I'm going for uh, is Cruel Intentions, um, which I'm sure most people do not think is very sexy, but that um, probably one of my like awakenings into like sexuality and things, you know, like that image of Sarah Michelle Geller lying on the chair, like grazing her boob while she's in the corset. <laughs> like that was in. You know, emblazoned into my brain. She's hot. Brian Phillippe's hot. Reese Witherspoon, you wouldn't call her hot in that film, but she's very attractive. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is so over the top. The colours <laughs> are so rich. Um, so, yeah, that was based on, is it Dangerous Liaisons? Which I think is a very sexy movie. So, maybe oh, I, I just... can't keep. All... Do you know what? I have this running joke with myself that all of these, like, two word films mm. indecent proposal dangerous liaison um cruel intentions and um, fatal attraction i mix them basic all instinct up. <laughs> basic instinct there's i counted eight one day when i was sitting there thinking about it that i confuse 
they're all confused in my mind. They're all the same film. And the last one is not a sexy film at all, but it is about sex. And there is one scene. So it's a film, 40 Days and 40 Nights, starring Josh Hartnett. It's a 90s teen film, maybe 2000s. And it is about this guy who, I don't know if he's a sexaholic or if he just sleeps a lot. But so very apt that we're talking about this at Easter weekend. Um, for Lent, he decides that he is not going to sleep oh, with anyone. I think I even he maybe isn't allowed to even kiss someone. He's not allowed to touch. He's not allowed. And he decides because he just keeps having sex with all of these kind of nameless women. And he meets Manic Pixie Dream Girl of his, you know, just the woman for him. But he's not allowed to touch her. He's not allowed to kiss her. And he has to go 40 days and 40 nights. He's not allowed to masturbate. He's not allowed to do anything remotely sexual. There is just this... It's not a very good film, but this scene, like (laughs) my mind as a very young teen was like blown. So there's a sex scene, but he's not allowed to touch her. So he uses an orchid. He gets the stem of an orchid (laughs) with the flowers on the end. And it's just this really sensual scene where he like rubs her up and down with the orchid. Kid instead of using his hands and like she orgasms so he was stop here <laughs> i need to re-watch the scene because i haven't seen it but i listened to a podcast a couple of years ago where they covered the film and they were like slating the film for how much they all hated it and how much it doesn't hold up but then they all got to the point they were like but you know the, the orchid scene and they were no. like the orchid scene oh, so God, you know i have to watch this now even though that sounds like my absolute worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's very like chauvinistic male film um very dated i'm sure there's a lot of very bad gender politics in it but that orchid scene you know that was in in the book of sexual awakenings (laughs) (laughs) sounds it sounds very (laughs) intriguing indeed that was a tough one i think for us this week yeah um but some good films in amongst there so let's go back to the film that we are doing the episode on 365 days Let's wrap it up here. What do we think about it in terms of the bottom 100? Do we think that it deserves its place? Do we think it could have been saved? And what is your final rating and verdict, Claire? So definitely think it could have been saved. I've discussed how I would have easily just changed the plot, though the problem being then it would not be an adaptation of the book. So Uh technically you can't do that. So that's my issue on it being saved. So I think the only way to save it is to change the source material because the source material is the biggest flaw but there are other flaws as much as i had a fun time with it it's a bad film not just because of the gender politics not just because of the very questionable material but the dialogue is poor the music choices and editing are weird the stylistic choices are bad whilst they are gorgeous people who do look like they would have a good fuck the acting (laughs) is not great um so is a bad film. It is a cheaply made, ill-thought-out film that whilst I had fun, is a bad film. So mm. I can... Do I think it deserves 0%? Personally, no. But then when I look at what it actually... I'm looking at it from a very intelligent person who can weigh up the issues in it mm. and not everyone can. So maybe the 0% should be there so that people don't find it because it's worrying. <laughs> you just trailed off then. <laughs> what would your final, what would your rating be then? 
So I give it five out of five for style. <laughs> I, I give it one and a half if we're talking about the plot. And I give it minus 10 for its views on consent. Minus 10. Minus so 10. I'm giving it two. Well, I would say two and a half for me. Hey. Um, <laughs> Because do you know what I, I have like a rough rating system in terms of like what my reaction is to it in terms mm-hmm. of like a word or two and associated with that mm. that star rating and honestly like I don't think uh, granted this isn't the greatest film but you know that my ratings are always top heavy anyway like I have to really 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 despise a film and find no merit in it whatsoever to give it a really low score mm-hmm. vampire sub. Um, <laughs> So I actually thought this was quite. I didn't even think it was as bad as Meh. I thought it was fair because there was so there were a lot of things that I enjoyed, but I did have to. So that would usually be about three, but I had to drop half a star for the fact that you know I just had to rein that in a bit more based on the topic. And I would drop it down to a two, but then I've I'm thinking about other films that I'd given a two to, and this I didn't mm-hmm. feel as bad about. But that obviously it's very difficult to to honestly rate something when you're looking at the film from a there's just so many layers to it in terms of like enjoyment versus the whether it's responsible like it's Mm -hmm. just obviously take ratings with a pinch of salt because it's not it's not definitive by any means i'm exactly the same line of thought i would have given it three stars i enjoyed it it was silly it was kind of nonsense that was a fun watch and made light of an evening but i removed a star because of the issues with the very problematic plot Mm. and sexual assault and consent and kidnapping if they had done my version everything had stayed the same but there wasn't that element in it i would have given it three stars because i still it's not very well made and the tones are all over the place and there's so many weird plot holes like they bring up the fact that she has this heart issue loads at the start of the movie and then it just completely disappears (laughs) and never comes back and it's very unclear apart from from going business 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 what she actually does for a living and then like at one point when she's back in warsaw she gets a phone call saying that someone's offering her a job and i'm like was that real was that a ploy it never comes back i don't Um, remember that to be honest yeah there's loads of random kind of tangents that i'm guessing maybe in the book made more sense so without the issues of consent i still couldn't give it more than three stars because it is a bit incoherent and is a bit of a mess but i knocked a star off because of yeah the content and my concerns fair enough i didn't say fair play that time (laughs) What's, what's wrong with me um so I guess that wraps it up for us on 365 Days. But obviously, we'd love to hear all of your thoughts about today's episode and today's film. Um, whether you've already seen it, you're going to give it a go now. What do you think? Um, let us know on Twitter and Instagram at Rated Pods and on Letterboxd at WRated. Claire, where can we find you on the social media? Uh, you can find me at Claire Ellen Hope with Claire without an I on twitter and instagram i was about to say facebook which no that's a lie (laughs) (laughs) um you can find me at daisy vic edwards on twitter and daisy victoria edwards on instagram and letterbox big thank you to everyone for tuning in again today Uh, remember if you enjoy listening to our podcast we'd love if you could give us a follow or a subscribe and of course we'd love to hear your thoughts um, about the show in general Um, so if you can give us a review or a rating that is very much appreciated Um, and we hope you can join us for the next episode where of course we'll be exploring uh, another worst rated film um, on the bottom 100 with another special guest see you then are you lost baby girl (laughs) 